This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm Jason Boyne. Here with me, I have Rich Lotta. What's going on, man? Chilling, man. Just um, sipping on a few beers and here on the Twitch, uh, trying to be entertaining and uh, get people to check us out. We're we're starting with double digits as we go on the air, so that's always encouraging. Um, we're we're growing this thing slowly but surely, and pretty soon, you know, we're going to be uh, counter programming in the demo for real. <laughs> you know, we oh, do this on Monday goodness. nights, so yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 you, I'm man. Sure. I'm sure that Vincent Man is worried about us. I wonder how they're going to pro- counter-program us. Um, yeah, man, I'm I'm doing all right. I uh, I feel burnt out from wrestling. I I just felt it while watching the Stardom show and just finished about uh, 45 minutes to an hour ago. I, I feel it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, eh, not too much. Uh, I mean. I guess we should start with this because we'll just start with the, with the good things first and then we'll move on to the wrestling. Um, the NBA 75th anniversary team ca- uh, came out over the last week, uh, over a period of days. Um, and basically what they did was they took the 50th anniversary team from 1996 and put all those slots over. And added Dominic Wilkins because he should have been on the first team anyway. He should have been on the 50th team anyway. Um, so so basically, um, all of the the players that um, they had their primes from after or from basically the mid 90s to now, uh, there were 24 spots for them. And um, I kind of felt like they had. Me and Rich have a disagreement. Rich feels like best player should make the list. And I think that's a different list than the greatest players. I think it's built on your accomplishments and your domination in uh, whatever era you played in relative to that era. I don't think you should make a list as a 50, 50 list. And then all of a sudden, like, you got to yank people out and say, get the fuck out of here. As if, like, I, I just, I just, I just, it's too, it's, it's a different list. than a be- It's a greatest list, not a best list. And greatest encompasses the whole entire history of the league. If we only have like two people or three people from the 60s, then what's the point of even doing the list? It's not a, a look through history. It's a, yeah, like obviously T-Mac is better than Bill Walton, or not Bill Walton, but Bill Russell. Bill Walton too, but you get my point. Um, 
so for me, seeing that they kept the fifty one, their fifty added Will or um, Dominique for fifty one, and then twenty four. I thought for the twenty four they had from you know basically our you know our childhood to now, I thought it was a pretty good list of those twenty four. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's hear you go on and say who all needs to be yanked off the list to be put made room for more current current players like T right. Mac, like um, Chris Bosh, like. Clay Thompson, like Kyrie Irving, like um, I don't know who else you had in mind, but those are the four that I remember you you mostly mentioned as people that should be on there or should be above. All right, Dwight Howard, Ooh, someone that got is the biggest snub of the list, oh, yeah. obviously. Yeah, that's that's you know that's tough t- tough for him. So um, I, I guess we can just I'll just go through the the the, the names and you know. Uh, See what we got. Of course, we got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No objection. Ray Allen. No, no, no real objection. There's no objection. Um, He's a top fifty-ish player all time in NBA in based on resume. Uh, Giannis. No objection. Carmelo. No objection. Uh, Tiny Archibald. No objection. Paul Arizon. All right. Um, what, what we got on Paul Arizon? I don't know much. Uh, apparently, he. I think he was a player for the Atlanta Hawks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, not seeing how Paul Arizon uh, is better than Clay Thompson. Um, Charles Barkley, no, um, no objection. Rick Barry, no objection. Baylor, same. Dave Bing can get can get the fuck off this list. Uh, he's he's a loser. Um, he just he was just a dude that scored a bunch of points um, with a receding throw. So I, I I really ain't got none for Dave Bing. Um, I think he can go. Uh, Larry Bird, no objection. Kobe Bryant, no objection. Obviously, Wilt, no objection. Bob Cousy, he couldn't even dribble with his left hand, but I will go no objection. Um, Dave Cowens, no objection. Uh, hold on, I think we need to stop. I think we need to stop, sir. Um, well, so they- well, I, I think. Are you going to bring up the conversation I tell you, I told you about my, my uncle from back in a couple years ago about how you said that like KG could not uh, cannot handle Dave Cowens? I was like. Dave Cowens used to run, used to like during the off season in Boston would like, he was a taxi driver. No, he, KG, he could do nothing with fucking KG. And a lot of people think that he was really just like a guy that that played really, really hard and didn't have much skill. And like, you compare him to like, you know, Kareem and like the other guys, the other great centers of the seventies and like Kareem used to whoop his ass. So like, eh, like I get why he was on the team. He was on what two champions? I think he won an MVP as well. Yeah, he did win MVP. So like, I'm not like for me personally. Like, I don't have a problem if you say like, unless you unless you're you're a Derrick Rose situation. If you win MVP, you're in. I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all I know is about Dave Cowens is once he would have seen Paul Gasol, he would have called for the authorities. Um, he 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 would have seen Paul Gasol and be like, hold on, he's seven foot tall. He doesn't back down, and he can score with his left or right hand uh, and face up on me. What do I do? Send the squad car. <laughs> zap this alien. What's wrong with y'all? Oh, man. Um, Billy Cunningham, no real objection there. Um, Steph Curry, of course, no objection. Uh, Anthony Davis, no objection. Dave DeBusher. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that think that this is too soon to put him on there. I, I think I kind of agree with that. I disagree. Like, you know what like if you are the second best player on a finals team and you actually he's been in the league for how long now? Almost uh, ten years, year, right? This is like year nine, I think. Okay, let's see. 
13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. This is year nine for him. This is year nine for him. He's made like half a dozen first team All NBAs. He's been he's he's been he's finished third place in MVP. He's finished he's had another top five finish in MVP. Like he's a defensive player of the year contender in his prime or uh, when he's on the floor. He's the most skilled big man we've ever seen in the world. Like for me, he's in. Like if not for like a weird rebounding snafu at the end, like he's on that forty two point Bill Simmons uh, playoff club for the year they won a the title. It'd have been him and LeBron both in it. So for me, it's like, yeah, that guy's fucking awesome. That guy's been awesome. He was on a bad team for a long time. Yeah, I, I don't have a real issue with him on it. Um, like, here's the thing for me: if he's not going to be on it, if he's not on it, then like, it's, it'll be like a Gary Payne situation where it's like, you know, he's just going to be on the fucking next team. Put him on now. Like, maybe you don't think he should. He's like the Shaq exception. Where like right. Shaq just you know first three four in the in the beginning of year four he already put, he's already in but like you know he's gonna make the hundred team right um, Dave DeBusher seventies uh, Nick I I I'm sorry yeah you got number seventies Nick except for Walt Frazier I, like yo you got Walt Frazier you got Reed um, you got him you got Jerry Lucas you got Earl Monroe um, I'm sorry I'm not putting that many of y'all in here if Clay Thompson can't get on on the fucking uh, list and the way they've actually dominated the fucking <clears throat> decade not just like won it twice and uh, Four years. and pretty much faded into irrelevance after that so no like <laughs> Clyde Drexler I, I, I don't know Clyde Clyde's a lot Clyde's better than Clay yeah, I'll say that he he was on two finals teams as the best player, the MVP candidate one year, um, won a title later on. Um, doesn't excite me, but Tim Duncan, of course, no uh, objection. Durant, no objection. Dr. J, no objection. Patrick Ewing, no objection. Walt Frazier, no objection. <laughs> Kevin Garnett, no objection. George Gervin, no objection. Um, Hal Greer, no objection. Um, James Harden, no objection. John Havlicek, no objection. So I'm not just gonna bang on all the white guys here. John Havlicek was fucking raw in his day, and like John, yeah, uh, John Havlicek, yeah, Havlicek in 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 West are like, nah, you say what you want to about that sixty shit or whatever else. They could have played in any era, especially especially Havlicek is because he was a dog defensively. Yep. Um. So. We, Elvin Hayes, no objection. Allen Iverson, absolutely no objection. And right. if anybody wants to talk that noise about it, like, it was funny. I saw a question on Twitter not too long ago. It was like, who's a player like you rooted against like a lot in your your fandom or whatever while they were a player, but in their retirement, like you'll defend them. Like you'll go to the end of the earth to defend them. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's Allen Iverson for me. Like <laughs> mine would be Duncan. Uh, mine would be Duncan, but it wouldn't even be like the, after retirement, it was more like, the the 2011 through 2014 run for the Spurs is what did it for me. Like mm-hmm. that was more impressive for me than the stuff he was doing like in his prime because like in his prime I was comparing him to like Shaq and KG and I was like he doesn't come off the page to me like that when I watch him and like he's always on the fucking floor falling and flopping and, and looking awkward when he's scoring points and it looks like a fucking fluke when he scores like that shot like the shot he made right before the De- the Derek Fisher shot I was like get the fuck out of here he had no that shit is the luckiest shit in the world he's on the fucking ground get the fuck out of here I can't believe he's <laughs> shit oh my god this, Derek Fisher made that shot well fuck it Duncan like you shouldn't have made yeah. that shit anyway that's bullshit like that's the kind of stuff you deal with with Duncan over over time or whatever I was in like 
the way he paced himself in the regular season compared to everybody else, I was kind of like, eh. Um, but then, you know, like, that run that they all had um, from 2011 to 2014, like, and he's older, and he's, like, on a minute restriction, and, like, he just consists the moment at, at times, whatever else, and, like, whenever you need to, like, except for, except for that missed layup in um, game seven, like, he was just unassailably great. Like, so, like, I, I, t- I turned around on him heavy, and I think you had influence on that, too. I was just, like, I was in my head, like, I just, nature versus nurture shit, like, all right, let's see this shit if he was out in fucking Minnesota and let KG be this, uh, uh, David Robinson, see how this shit goes. Like, I think I think a lot of that plays into it, like, we, whatever, it's, it's a huge nature versus nursing, but anyway, whatever, he was great. So, yeah, uh, that's someone I've definitely turned around on. Uh, so we got LeBron James, and, you know, I don't know about this one. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, Don't know it, about, it, like, the, sep- the second greatest basketball player of all time being the top 75? Yeah. I, I, I feel play. like it's a, I feel like we need to really, like, we could actually do a whole show, yeah. you know, just debating whether, you know, 74, 76, yeah. 77, where he should have really been. But, um, I, you know, w- for the sake of time, you know, we'll just move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's going to like it was funny because uh, Chris Paul uh, over the week became the first player ever with like 20,000 points and 10,000 um, career assists ever. And I was like. Oh yeah, LeBron's gonna be on that list in like a number in a couple years too. Like in his will be like thirty five thousand and ten thousand. So um, it's he's finally slowed down, but still like he's still very fucking good. Um, all right, wh- wh- who else is on the list? Magic Johnson, no objection. Yeah, <laughs> Sam Jones, no objection. Uh, Michael Jordan, obviously no objection. Jason Kidd, no objection. Kawhi Leonard, no objection. Dame Lillard, I kind of object um I, I think he's borderline i think you could put him on it i think you could just as easily swap them for any of the group that we kind of mentioned before think so especially dwight well not dwight dwight's dwight's someone that should absolutely be him but like we're talking about like bubble guys like people were complaining about like clay or steph or not steph but uh clay or Kyrie. like i've He's he surpassed Kyrie in the last five years to where a point where like it, it was a comp it they were even Kyrie had the advantage after he hit that shot in game seven and in like the last five years it's been all it's been all Lillard. All Lillard. And like Lillard and out of Lillard and Clay and um and uh Kyrie, like he's the only one that's ever gotten an MVP vote. Well, I'm sorry. Uh I think Clay got one MVP vote ever and Kyrie has never got any and then like uh, Lillard, he's placed top five a, a few times now. So I think, like, he's separating himself from that pack, in my opinion. But, like, I think the thing that holds, I think I would go, um, or in this particular place, uh, Lillard, Clay, Kyrie. Um, that's how I would have it, um, right now. Like, we'll see how this goes going forward, but I, I, I feel like that's where I would have it right now. So, um, we got, uh, Jerry. Jerry Lucas, like I said, um, there's a lot of 70s Knicks on here. Um, the only two I'm willing to just guarantee like that are Walt Frazier and, and Willis Reed. Maybe Willis Reed, yeah. Um, they, um, everyone else, I feel like is up for grabs. Like if you tell me Jerry Lucas was better than Dwight Howard, I'm like, um, I don't know, sir. Like I'm sorry. Like, I feel like if we, <laughs> like I, I don't see how Jerry. Like I feel like Jerry Lucas is like Kevin Love. Kind of like, and I don't see Kevin Love on this motherfucker. Like, 
<laughs> like because Kevin like Jerry Lucas had a had a great deep two or whatever. I mm-hmm. always remember like reading about that, and he was a great rebounder. But um, he ever had yeah. a thirty three game. Not that, that I know of. Game. Not not that I know of. Okay, you know. Um, so uh, Moses Malone, no objection. Yeah, yeah. Pete Maravich, bring his ass right here, boy. Pete Maravich is perhaps the most overrated player on this entire list. He has not a single moment where you can point him to what he did that uh, <laughs> that that impacts winning. Like he has no evidence. Of, like his playoff record is is laughable. It, it's like it's like me and you. Um, <laughs> You know, no track record of success anywhere. I understand he's a good ball handler. He could shoot. Of course, you know, he had his legendary college career, but this is the NBA list. Well, he broke I mean, down. He, yeah. Yes, but I mean, he also won a scoring title before. So it's not like, let's just say he was trash, whatever. Like, I have to look through his, um, I'd have to look through his accolades for like all NBA stuff and MVP shares. But I mean, uh, I I I I I feel like he's close to the bubble than a lock. Like yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I'd have to look though. Like I feel, I tweeted something like I never felt more confident in my life than knowing Kyrie Irving would have bust Pistol Pete's ass. Like Adam Thielen's alien. That's not the list is for like, though. Like. <laughs> Like Kyrie, like like people talk about all the ball handling, the passing. Like I mean, you telling me who's got a better handle? Yeah, I think it's more of a. You're, you're right, but it's more of a um, comparison of like how far ahead of the game was somebody in like fr- from that perspective. Yeah, it will still be pistol, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So pistol Pete can um can can miss me um on this one. I I, I can't even speak one way or the other on it. Um, Bob McAdoo lock. Um, lots of points scored. <laughs> yeah, yes, lots of points scored. But he was he's he's a he's a had a really weird career. It's the seventies, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of this stuff is seventies. I think a lot of people were counting. Most of his life, people were like getting people from seventies out here. Um, yeah, not in sixties, but the seventies. Kevin McHale, no objection. Yeah. Uh, George Mikan, no objection. Uh, Reggie Miller, no objection for me at least. But I mean, I, I put I put Ray Clay and, and Reggie all in like the same final of like they're all like top fifty players or whatever, or at least Clay will be meet up with them at like that point at fifty. About oh. like Clay. Oh, my- that's the thing with Clay is like uh, when he said he's upset, he's not on there. Is like you're only like. 60% through your career, you lost you lost your last two years of your career. Like, once we get this last third of his career, he's definitely going to be on here if he's healthy enough. But I don't I don't feel comfortable putting him on here right now, though, but I feel comfortable to say that, like, is he going to be one of 75 best pass holders of all time? Yeah, by the time his career is over, definitely. Um, we've got also uh, Earl Monroe, like I said, the Knicks. Like yeah. uh, the only thing is Earl Monroe is like a like a cult figure, like a yeah. playground legend. You want to talk about? That's the same thing with, with um, Maravich, Maravich too. Yeah, I, I think the thing that helps him is like he also has like he has the Knicks run in the Bullets run, right? Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash, no objection. Dirt and yeah. Whiskey, no objection. Right. Hakeem Lajuan, no objection. Right. Shaq, no objection. Right. Robert Parrish, no objection. Right. Um, 
How many how many 87s are we gonna put on here? I would at least put three. I mean Dennis Johnson didn't make it. I, I would put uh Parrish on probably put Dennis Johnson. I think Dennis Johnson's like I'm I'm sorry, Bill Simmons. I'm not I'm not I'm not hearing it. I'm just not. <laughs> I like being the best being the second or one of the two best two A players in NBA only means but so much. Like his like offense it means so much more than defense. I'm sorry. Um Chris Paul, um, no objection. Gary Payton, no objection. Bob Pettit, no objection. Um, Paul Pierce, no objection. Um, Scotty Pippen, no objection. Wills Reed, no objection. Oscar Robinson, Robertson, no objection. David Robinson, no objection. Dennis Rod- Rodman, absolutely a fucking objection. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, there's too many people. There's too many people that are like. There are way too many people that are too comfortable in that and like Michael Jordan wasn't like the fucking greatest and therefore like and then he also was with another guy that was like a top five, top six NBA player at the time, and then they were in Dilute League and they wrecked shop. Like I understand that they needed a rebounder and they lost because they didn't have Horace Grant and then like they end up getting Dennis Rodman and, and then they end up, you know, sixty or seven multiple times winning sixty or seventy games. I understand that. Um in a vacuum, if Dennis Rodman or someone like Draymond Green is ever the best basketball player in your team, you are a lottery team. You are not winning 25 games. You are picking, you, you're going to have more ping pong balls than all but maybe one or two teams all the time. And like I cannot like I cannot reconcile that in my mind when, when people put them as a top 70 person or whatever else because they won a bunch of uh, they won a bunch of championships as like a a super duper 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 glue guy like. I'm sorry, like, he is not a, he is, he's important, but he is not the heart of the team. He is not the, he is not the person driving the fucking car. And that's no, and as I saying, they were not great players, they were, but, but, really? Better than T-Mac? Are you fucking serious? Yeah, man, um, I was gonna say, like, uh, if Rodman's in, then Draymond needs to be on here, but they picked one, so, um, At least, nope. I mean, okay. And then also you have the part where, like, what happens when he's not, like, playing with, like, this super team of of Lambeer and Microwave and Isaiah and Dumars, like, what, and, or with Jordan and, and, and uh, Kukoc and, and Scotty. Like, what happens when he's not in these perfect situations? Oh, 95 when he's basically, like, sabotaging David Robinson? Oh, I... I like Look, people forget that this David Robinson, if, a hell of a man, people, dealt with Dennis Rodman, right. got rewarded with Tim Duncan. <laughs> right. If people had like, that's not a part of his. That's not a part of it. It's all the winning. It's like, nah. There's also like suicide scares, a crazy thing. And like, I'm not saying like making light of that, but I'm saying like he was a roller coaster. And if he was not on a team that could absolutely handle him or handle him or whatever you want to call it, manage him and his nonsense to where he would try hard and not like self destruct. He would blow up your fucking team. So it's like, for all, yes, uh, five rings. Absolutely. What about when it's not the perfect situation? And a lot of these players, most of these players that, uh, never end up in the perfect situations. Um, it just worked out for him. But like, if he never ends up on those Bulls team, they find a different rebounder in the offseason, they still win championships, and he's probably out the league before 99. Boy, boy. Um, 
Bill Russell, no objection. Right. Uh, Dolph Shays, he going to have to come see me uh, on, on the carpet on this one. I'm sorry, Dolph Shays, Shays from the Syracuse Nats. Like, um, if your team don't exist, if your team don't exist, you shouldn't make the team. Like, your team don't exist. Um, we're not even allowed to name children your name anymore. They ain't got nothing um, to do with him. They ain't got nothing to do with him. Don't do that. Don't that has matter. nothing to do with him. Don't matter. Don't matter. He got, to hold, to look, he got to hold it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, pl- plenty of dudes could have been a six eight unathletic forward. Um, so, sorry, Mister Mister Shays, you got to go, man. You 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 got to come off. Come sit by me, sir. Um, uh, Bill Sharman, um, same. Uh, you you also had to come sit by me, sir. I'm sorry, a, a six foot two guard or six maybe six one guard, and and the Bill Sharman highlight tapes are out there. Like, and I seen them and. He ain't got nothing for T Mac, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just, tr- just trust me on this one. Um, you know, he, 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 it was easy to win next to Bill Russell. You know, um, so uh, well, it we wasn't just that it was Bill Russell. It was Bill Russell and four other niggas. Yes, correct. I was <laughs> like, gonna say eight Hall of like, Famers. You know, it's just Bill Russell. He averaged like 16 points a game on them seasons when he was winning titles. It wasn't just him. He, defense, like, sure. Bro. The, sure. the, the Celtics had Hall of Famers coming off the bench. Like, right. Come on, man. Um, John Stockton, no objection. Isaiah Thomas, no objection. He met the criteria. Nate Thurman, no objection. Tough motherfucker, uh, if there ever was one in, in the early 70s. Wes Unseld. Yeah. Um, if you're going to reward Wes Unseld, I could say you got to reward Dwight. But he, he he was he did win an MVP in his rookie year, right? And then he also but, won that title on the uh, 70, uh, 78, 79? no seventy eight uh, bullets, right? Had a great afro as well, so because um, <laughs> that's what's important <laughs> in the seventies. That that oh, of course, you know, you know, plenty of brothers out here looking like Wes Unsell, you oh, know, man, um, Dwayne Wade, no objection, Bill Walton, uh, for me, no objection. But the Bill Walton thing's also another one is like people don't, you know, to- that depends on how you feel about it. Like, if you want to put him on because, like, if he had not got hurt, he easily would have been, you know, he would have been one of the greatest centers of all time, would have been a top 15 player. Sure. But if you want to point out what his career and accolades actually were, he should make the list. Especially yeah. when you, especially when we were all, you know, knocking out people that like Your had Garrett roses or. Yeah, like I mean, Derrick Rose is like he had even Derrick Rose's peak clearly wasn't um, Bill Walton's. Like Walton was like the second best player in the league or third best player in the league when this shit all happened to him, and they just fresh off a title and all that stuff. And then like Derrick Rose, he like, was never in the league's ass. Like yeah, like Derrick Rose is never Derrick Rose is never anyone thought was ever a top four NBA player. It's just he was on a great team at the time, and everyone you know was mad at LeBron at the time, and so um, I. I think he. I think he would have. I think he had been healthy. He would have married it because, like, I thought he was better than Westbrook. So, um, but it is what it is. Like he tore his ACL and then he, it then like he was never the same. I even close. Uh, Jerry West, a goddamn moonwalks onto this goddamn yeah, list. A lot. Uh, you you guys have seen all those crazy playoff stats when when LeBron would do something right. So they would put LeBron stats <laughs> on the screen. Then like the next four times that thing was done was Jerry West, Jerry yeah. West, Jerry West, Jerry yeah. West. Goddamn Jerry West. Yes, like straight up. If you ever see like 
greatest scoring performances for a series or rebound totals or whatever else or, or assists or whatever else or any of these all-time playoff stats. Like, the names that always come up in that bitch is Jerry West, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Will Chamberlain, and Shaq. Like, those are those five people's names always come up in those things. I'm like, yeah, this person ain't done this. Or El- Elgin Bannon is also another good one. It's like, yeah, yeah this person had a 45-15-5 uh, game. Last person to do that was like Elgin Bannon. Like, God damn! Last person yeah, that was Jerry West. Like, definitely. Yeah, so. Like, like the funniest thing I ever heard about He was about the finals MVP as a loser. Come on. Yeah. What Elgin Baylor was like, this man was in the Army. It was that 1962 season. Like, yeah. that man only played on weekends, right? And that man averaged 38-19. That's, yeah. that's just funny to me. Um, Russell Westbrook, no objection. Um, Lenny Wilkins. Like I said, man, the 70s, always a rough patch. I don't know about Lenny Wilkins. You do you know? think his Do you think his coaching career helped him at the time in '96? I think it did. It had to. I think it did. It had to. Um, Dominique Wilkins gets in, no objection. Should have. He should have been in the on the fiftieth list. And but, then J- James Worthy, no objection. And then that's your team. And there was a tie in the voting, so there's actually 76 people on this team. So um, yeah, they didn't say basically 75 team plus they added Dominique. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, it was the 50th team, plus they added Dominique. We don't know who was the tie or whatever else. You have no right. idea. But um, just out of the current guys, like, is there anybody that was on the current of the, of the uh, or, you know, current guys of, like, the new generation of guys minus Dominique? Like, is there anybody from that 24, that group of 24 that you think should be out for, uh, let's say, well, should be Dwight, obviously. Like, who who are you taking off the throw on Dwight? Dwight. Honestly, the only person I would probably consider taking off is Dame mm-hmm. Lillard because he's never played in the finals. Um, That's fine with me. Like I was, I was um like when they said when I looked through the list and I was like Dwight's not on this shit. Like the first thing I did was like, who are the guys that have been the best player on a finalist that aren't on this list? And like I went all the way off the top of my head all the way to 1980 and only two, only three it's only three people. It's Dwight. It's um, Jimmy Butler, and it is Chauncey Billups. You can explain why how to ha- you you know what happened with Chauncey Billups and Jimmy Butler for that that shouldn't work like so um, yeah like Dwight is like the other guys they, he should be on here like he first team on be a few times obviously he's the center position but like that dude finished top five in MVP voting like four years straight. I don't think there's anybody that's like that's ever has it on on their resume that's not in this top seventy five. There's nobody else like that. Like we have, like and if and if he had retired after his back went out before he got traded to Lakers, like that season where he had that David Robinson year when he's like twenty five, he, he would have felt felt bad. Yeah, he'd been twenty five. Like he retired, or he would have retired after having a twenty five in I think it's like thirteen or fourteen season. He retires after that, like. We were talking about how a tragic figure, how he lost his prime, blah, blah, blah. He's 20 something at the time, and this is, I can't believe this all happened. They would treat him like Bill Walton. But maybe yeah. to a lesser degree, he wasn't champion or whatever. I was my point. Like, he would have been the tragic figure, he would have been on this list easily. But because of the shit that happened when, when LA, and then like every single team, like. Like, he has no fans him. to ride for him. Well, the, like, the main, yes, he has no fans arrive for him, and like the game changed on him. Like obviously, the NBA game is not what it was uh, a decade ago, and that and that hurt him. He he turned to he was like the last dinosaur. But you can't act like this dude wasn't fucking awesome um, on both sides of the floor, or or basically as a two way player for 
a decade, basically. Or not a decade, let's say eight years. It's eight years, more eight years. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that'll wrap up our NBA 75 talk. Um, in other news, we know what y'all came here for this <laughs> week. Um, I, I put it in the in the notes on the on the Twitch stream. Uh, shouts out to the viewers who stuck with us all through the basketball. So we are we're growing the basketball listening audience on One Nation Radio. That it that you know has always kind of that this is an essential part of the show over the years. But um, yeah, man, Charlotte Flair um, has created a created chaos um and apparently her and becky lynch there was some uh some went into disarray during one of their segments um charlotte was very vocal and not wanting to do the segment um there were there's a lot of people weighing in on this and there's a lot of like stories coming out in the aftermath of this Charlotte is damn near descending into the Tyson zone where I believe anything can get reported about her at this, this moment. Um, yeah. Shouts out to MJ does PR. We got Bruce, uh, in the chat with, with questions. We're going to get to him. Um, so, um, yeah, man, what do you make of all this, man? Um, the idea that she has, um, isolating herself since her fiance has left the company or was released from the company um, does not surprise me. Um, the stories that the uh, the locker room, in particular the women's locker room, is not comfortable with her or alienated by her does not surprise me. The part where she had complaints for the for whatever was happening on screen and then she went rogue on it that is it happened i fucking saw my own two eyes and that's the part i'm having a hard i never imagined her to do something like that um now the part my my favorite part is and i said this to you earlier is that like her story that she went to the back and that the belt slipped like and i have a picture uh of of the steel frame when it, when she drops it and like she pulls it out and like the belt's clearly out of her hand and it's not in Becky's hand, which means what happened? She let the bitch go. She let the motherfucker go before Becky could actually get a hold of it. So like, and then, you know, I had Zach, uh, Zach Porter, our homeboy. Like I, I was joking. I said, it should be, it should be silhouetted. Uh, that, that I'm going to find it and display it. It should in be the silhouetted and it should become the, you know, like we talk about Jerry West's the NBA logo. It should be silhouetted and it should be the WWE logo. And he was like, it's going to be hard for me to make that. And I was like, bro, I was just joking. You ain't really got to do that. And then next thing you know, he came through the clutch and literally, like, the belt the belt is out of both of their hands and it is floating in the air in, the, in that picture in the silhouette. And underneath, you see the WWE red bar logo um, underneath. And it's just like, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, uh, I just no one can buy no no one can buy that story. No one, no one with a brain would ever buy that story. Uh, apparently, it was a shouting match between Becky and and Charlotte. Uh, apparently, it was in Gorilla or whatever else. And they told Becky or they told Charlotte because Becky had a dark match after they went um, they went off air to go ahead and leave. And the word is they escorted her with security out of there like she had stolen something. <laughs> um, like yeah, like she's leave a the premises. Yeah, um, <sighs> all bad, man, and no good coming this. And you know, 
we for years have talked about how they have favored Charlotte in um how much they, how little they ever have for her outside of her being in the title picture. Like if you go through her her I'm sure if you were to go through her uh, pay per view count you count up the title matches compared to the number I guarantee I, I'm pretty sure like over seventy five percent of her matches are title matches. Um, and that's been a problem. And, you know, her NXT, when, you know, they wanted to give her a break to kind of freshen her up, it was more of the same. It didn't get, it didn't help Bianca. It didn't help, it damn sure didn't help Rhea. Um, and the stories that Triple H came out after to say that, like, there's going to be a story to it eventually or whatever else. Where the fuck is it? Because it's two years now. It's been almost two years now. It's bad. Um, so, so, or a year so, and a half. So we're showing the logo right now, James, <laughs> um, in, in the Twitch stream. Uh, if you guys see the logo, hit me with the number one in the comments. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is just this is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Uh, shouts out to Zach Porter. Uh, I, I was waiting for James to tweet this, but he never did. I, I um, you know, you know me, like I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll type, I, I whip something up real quick, but like I rarely do I ever press send on the stuff. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to bring that kind of energy to my mentions because, like, I, I don't feel like I don't you know, feel like fighting strangers because like they can't whoop me, like right, and I'm not gonna block them, like I don't care about that block thing. So we'll just keep going in a circle until I'd be like, are you done? And then and, and I'll, I'll do it like this in order to get the message out. Y'all can go ahead and just take a screenshot right now on whatever you got uh, of, of the Twitch stream. Uh, and then y'all, y'all can share that amongst yourselves and, and you know, whatever. <laughs> so almost <laughs> a timeline. Yeah, so, clip it or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, I appreciate the clips that I've seen you guys making, too, um, uh, on Twitch. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, we know what y'all came here for. Like, um we started seeing all types of crazy stories. Um, something they said Sonya Deville was mad enough to want to fight Charlotte. Yeah, uh, and then they got stage. picked up, and then it turned into like she wanted to fight her. I was like, nope, that's a clear distinction. Like, you can want to fight your coworkers. The second, uh, or sorry, you you can be mad enough to fight uh, at work. Once you want to fight your coworkers, then all of a sudden you got to go to HR and go talk to them, right? <laughs> like, so that's not the same thing. Those are not the same thing. Um, yeah, man. Um, there were uh, there was also a report that somebody that Charlotte had cut up Becky Lynch's ring gear. That I, I, I like, saw what? nothing to that at all, and I was like, that's, "I was like, right. what? Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit." Um, I need I need someone to say that. I need someone that with some, that I know that's re- that does this reporting stuff to to tell me that actually happened before I believe that for a second. Like that's be like to me that's more ridiculous than like Sasha and Bailey were crying on the on the on the uh, hotel room floor. Like get the fuck out of here. Yeah, um, Charlotte's mom was arguing with stands on Twitter. That was Saw that. Uh, also absolutely hilarious. Uh, they said Charlotte is like isolated herself. Uh, Becky Lynch was seen as a hero among the wrestlers. Um, they then, uh, then they, a lot of people were mentioning like the Nia Jax work shoot thing or whatever the fuck that happened on Raw a couple months back, and I was like, okay, like maybe, but like who the fuck's going to back for Nia? Right. Um, we, we know how they feel about her having to wrestle her. Right. Um, they you know, joke suppos- about it. Supposedly, um, Charlotte has has reportedly has people pushing for her to try to get out of her WWE contract. Um, I would find that interesting um, because obviously you would get much like the Shield, uh, a legacy act of the era pretty much broke up, don't exist. 
have to airbrush shit. Like, which would be absolutely hilarious, seeing as everything they tried to put Charlotte in that people told them don't do that, and then Charlotte busts off on the ass, and then they got to airbrush her out of being in the first ever women's main event. I mean, they already lost that um, pretty much. Like once, like as far as like they, you know, obviously the idea was to put both of them in the main event with Ronda Rousey, so they have two stars once Ronda leaves. Like that went out the window when, like you know, months later, like Becky had to go have a child or not had to, but was pregnant and decided to, you know, have a child. So it's like, you already lost all the heat from that, from put having two people in, in that main event any damn way. Um, and then like, it didn't also didn't make the match better. So, and you told a stupid story that it cooled off the crap that cooled off, uh, the, the enthusiasm for whatever match they were going to have at that WrestleMania. So it was like, that was a disaster, uh, through and through by adding Charlotte all the way through. Um, my pick was always Sasha. Uh, that would be the one that would basically of, of them four that would get mad enough to want to go somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. the Charlotte stuff, it, it doesn't shock me because I mean, look who she probably has advising her. Like everyone, I, I would imagine. Well, like I mean, her dad, her dad's her advising uncles. her, who was a fucking you know a star wrestler in the seventies, eighties. So what do you think he's going to tell her? Yeah. You gotta like, protect your spot. They're always gonna come and get you. And then look what happens to Bianca and uh, and, <laughs> and Rhea and, and NXT. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, obviously, I'm, we're doing wild speculation of what was told. Whatever's not there, we don't know. But it's like, look at the, look at what is in her life. Look at what has happened. And like, she is clearly someone that the company early on said this is gonna be one of our signature people. And there's no shame in that. She's clearly talented enough for that spot. The problem was there were four people that were clearly talented enough for that spot. They want her first, and they never let go. And that went to the and that went to uh, the other three. You know, had to go be sent off to try to figure things out on a way. And at least two of them um, became bigger stars because of it. But they kept pushing Charlotte, and like two of them surpassed her even though she was the plan all along. And, like, there's a lot of, like, Randy Orton, John Cena-ish type vibes between Becky and um, Charlotte. Um, yeah, man, let's go to a couple, couple of these questions I got in the uh, comments. So, Bruce uh, says, is Charlotte now more toxic than Tessa? I would hell say no. no and hell no on that because <laughs> uh, Tessa is... Tessa is on some like they, there was reports that someone may have been angry enough to want to fight Charlotte. We know act, people actually would want to fight Tessa Blanchard. We've seen in, it on in camera. Room. Correct. Um, James, if I don't know if everyone knows what you're speaking oh, of. So would you so fill everyone after, in on that? Yeah. So after the Tessa uh, story came out, uh, what last year during, during the like, you know, the the middle of quarantining and whatever else when Alex and Kay, you know, pointed out the La Rosa Nega story where Tessa back 2017 on a stardom tour spit on La Rosa uh, Nega and called her a nigga. Um, so there's that. <laughs> Um, and that's the main thing that's keeping her out of the way ever she, she tried to go on a sophomore impact like ever since in two, ever since 2017 and um, there's also so a, once, um, no, a story I'm, I'm of her storming so, in the performance center like oh okay um, uh, man classic yeah that like something like with ricochet like mm. I forgot what happened but yeah mm. she's not like around those parts either yeah so um, as that all happens Faye Jackson 
the one and only, um, pointed out uh, that she was at a Northeast Indep- Independent Women's uh, Wrestling Company or promotion, a show for that. I forgot what it was called. And he said, I remember that one time when Tessa got into a, uh, got herself into a shoot in the middle of a match. And then everybody's like, wait, what? Who? Who? What happened? Da, 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 da. And then that promotion, I, I found out the promotion, I type it up, find it on the cage match, look on it because they have a bunch of YouTube stuff. They got everything except for that particular show or that particular match on that show. And then next thing you know, about an hour or two later, it magically gets uploaded. And it's it's a battle royal. Right. It's a battle royal. And it was her and Deanna Perrazzo that it got into it. Like, um, they were having a chop exchange and, um, Deanna replied with a chop to one of Tessa's chops. And you can see Tessa, like, blow her stack. And then they start, they start trading legit elbows at each other like fucking morons and then it broke then actually then it broke down and it broke down into them actually finally got broke up a little bit and then like they continue on with the match or whatever else and then like one they have one other exchange in the match and then like one of them got thrown out but it was a it was actually a physical change again the second time around so like that was that was the extent of it but like yeah like she's shooting in fucking indies i <laughs> so yeah, like I know Charlotte had a little little thing with Nia, but like I mean, if Nia's in there with you, you kind of gotta hit back. Like I'm like, sorry. Like, there's also yeah, there's a context of like oh yeah, I remember that I remember that one match I had with her where like she didn't catch me on a on a moonsault, and almost fucking landed on my head on the floor, and then like she was supposed to give me a shoulder breaker, and like instead of dropping me on my uh, dropping my shoulder across her knee, she dropped my head across her knee. So yeah, once you yeah. you know. So there's also other other. You're not gonna hurt me again. There's other stories that that came out with it. Um, There was something that Charlotte wanted to put over Bianca last uh, week, supposedly, but the only person that came from was Alex McCarthy, who is in some circles known as Charlotte's house organ. I've Um, I've also heard that people say they refuted that. Yeah, exactly. Like there's nobody that like reported that or corroborated that. Um, So. In in light of all the crazy Charlotte stories that came out, I on, went earlier on Twitter looking for you guys' Charlotte stories. So um, I had sent a tweet out. I said, give me your best Charlotte Flair stories and the replies. I will read them off on One Nation Radio tonight. We will crown a winner, James. Uh, I've just decided okay. that. Um, so I put an example out there like, reportedly, Charlotte is selling dope in each city, transferring it via the production trucks. Like, that was my example. I'm not in the competition, but I just wanted to get my joke off. Um, so uh, we'll start all the way in Australia. What's up to my man, Joe? He said, uh, reports that Charlotte saw a basketball backstage. She walked over to it, wrote her name on it, and went home. This is the day Charlotte took her ball and went home. Uh, okay. Dell uh, Star X on Twitter. Uh, he says, allegedly, the beef from Becky and Charlotte stems from Vince telling wrestlers or that excuse me stems from charlotte telling vince that the wrestlers wanted to unionize (laughs) (laughs) so um up next uh from dan coffin what's up dan he says hearing this from his trusted source ralph wiggum and he put a um simpsons uh meme in here he says andrade and charlotte were in the closet making babies and i saw one of the babies and it looked at me oh god uh, also from Dan, reports coming out that Charlotte tried to hug Vince McMahon, resulting in a 60-day suspension. 
That's a good one. Uh, she wouldn't have got suspended for hugging. <laughs> the JML uh, reports say that when Charlotte got backstage, she took her robe and shoes off and challenged the entire women's locker room to fight similarly in a way that Ed Orgeron did to his players when he was the coach of <laughs> Ole Miss. Start with Ed Orgeron in that, right? I heard about it from Bomani. He's like, "Hey, are you? St- is any are any? You still loyal? Are you still loyal to David Cutcliffe? All right, if any of you are, you got to fight me right here, right now." <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good one. Like that was a great one. Where I thought I thought where I thought JML was headed was he was going to like do the go out there and say that, you know the Riley Cooper to say I will take off the shoes in the robe and said I will fight any nigga. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I thought he was headed, but that's still good too. So uh, MJ does PR says the scuttlebutt backstage at NXT was that Charlotte approached every trainee and asked what set you claim, and if they didn't answer DPG, she chopped them. <laughs> so- so uh, I got one from someone named at Destroy Fusion. It said all reports point to Charlotte Flair being responsible for a prank, a calling a dozen birthday clowns to show up in Tessa Blanchard's house on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so Muzza actually submitted someone else. Uh, hearing reports uh, from Adam Piketty says hearing reports that Charlotte Flair called Becky's mom a slag and she's no longer invited to her birthday party. You can't just be throwing the UK lingo in here and expect me to know what it means. I mean, what do you... You ain't even got to know what a slag is. Imagine what a slag is. <laughs> Come on, that sounds like horrendous. Yes, very bad. Yeah. Um, them, them fight, that sounds like fighting words. It do. It do. I don't know what a slag is, but I imagine if I heard a, heard anyone call it a slag, uh, it would not be... A good thing. I remember watching um this one show. I forgot what it was. It was a teen. It was a teen like comedy or dramedy, whatever you want to call it. And like this one mean girl called her uh called a woman that she was bullying or the young girl she was bullying. She called her a slunt. Oh whoa! Like whoa! So when you say slag, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. I'm like whoa 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 Pause whoa the clock. Pause whoa the clock, sir. whoa whoa yeah like you you, you gotta throw Call them hands. The law. So Sam submitted one from uh, someone at Knox Ben one. According to my sources, Charlotte tried to get Tony D'Angelo to take care oh of Becky Lynch. <laughs> like some Nancy Kerrigan shit. Yes. Um, so at Lady Wolf 2099, apparently she is a shareholder in AEW. And this is all storyline and that she was the one who ran over Stone Cold. <laughs> Can you imagine someone had like obviously there's no IPO, but now if there was IPO, you find that like some wrestler in WWE had had a bunch of stock in uh in AEW. You know how fast they'd be fucking fired. <laughs> you will be let go. So um uh we got one at Raccoon Problems. Uh, backstage insiders report that Charlotte Flair has now aligned herself with Roddy Piper in a desperate bid to, to steal unionize. the Goonies treasure from oh. Cindy Lauper's gas station. Okay, yeah, I'm not that old. <laughs> like, I get some of these references, but I don't know exactly what it all means. But like, I'm not. I'm that's yeah, yeah. Like, I was born in '87, not '77. God damn. So at Wrestleism, he says Charlotte drove the White Hummer. I screamed when I read this one earlier. Oh. My God. Uh, those of you that don't know, 2000 WCW, the White Hummer, 
Oh my god. Oh, I okay. I was okay. I forgot about the White Hummer. I, for some reason, I thought White Bronco. God damn it! I was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, White Hummer. I know the White Hummer. The whole story where what didn't yeah. didn't, didn't the White Hummer pick up Ric Flair in, in like a field or something to save his life and he was left for dead oh by NWO? God. I think There's one a, time Hogan, it was like Hogan was in the White Hogan, Hummer too. Billy Kidman. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd have Nash. To there was I, like a bunch of White Hummer. I don't have to go back. I'll probably listen to Jay like shit. Brian reviews of the shit, but yeah. Um, so, so at Mike chr 2 k 7 what in the username he said i heard she was at montreal telling earl hebner to do quote unquote what's right for the business <laughs> it's funny because i actually mentioned to someone that, like who knew that like charlotte becky was going to become like the new age sean and brett <laughs> so we've got um at make the cover underscore um, Charlotte is reportedly upset that WWE couldn't finalize a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling, saying she wanted the chance to figure their head w- or to figurehead their women's division as well as WWE's. She said, "Maybe there is only room for one con after all." And she left the arena on Friday. No, oh, <laughs> that's God. a good one. That's a good one. Uh, we got the Toriyanu fan account. Uh, he says, uh, "As tensions, the what Toriyano fan account." So this is, is so this is second Josh. No, no, it's not. This is actually a different guy I know on Twitter. He's he's actually kind of kind of gaining quite a following. Uh, some of the hilarious stuff he's putting out of late, but um, he says as tensions continue to mount between Charlotte Flair and WWE, we are told that the SmackDown's Women's Champion has ghosted them over the weekend. WWE officials and several members of the roster tried to contact Flair to smooth things over. However, she did not respond to anyone. Mm. So, um. Also, at Raccoon Raccoon Problems, he says, Charlotte Flair caught punching Dynamite Kid in the mouth with Royal Quarters in 1988. <laughs> Rambone so, Slam so, so that means he deserved it. Like, I, I remember Brett was talking about that story about, I forgot who it was. That, uh, I think it was, was it a Rougeau? Yes. Yeah, yeah, one of the Rougeaus, like, uh, he's, like, Brett was like, he deserved that shit. He, he earned that. Bill yeah. can do. Yeah, like if you, I, well, I don't think it exists anymore because like we have Peacock, we don't have the network. But on one of those um, Legends of Wrestling round round table discussion things with like, you know, like Dusty or Rick Fitt and Jim Ross and Cornette and uh, Lawler or whatever else, like Brett was on there and talked about that and like how like uh, one of them Rujo sucker punched him uh, with, a, with a roll of quarters. And he was like, he deserved it because they've been fucking with him for like months. So at Rambone Slam Pig, he um, is trying to bring some of the lore from keeping a strong style over here. So Charlotte has beef with the locker room because it was revealed that she was Jay White's mole and chaos. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. Got a lot of people writing back on this one. So you, you guys were, were, were wanted to, to clown to rank. Uh, as they say on Charlotte. So um, someone said exclusive footage of what happened in Gorilla between Charlotte and Vince. He linked a meme of Brock Lesnar throwing the belt at Vince McMahon at the end of WrestleMania 34. Didn't, didn't Vince, what did Vince say to him after that belt hit him? I forgot what it was. It was like, hey, asshole or something like that. I, I can't think remember. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we got Adam Yuri. He also says, my sources are saying they wanted her to cut her hair really short and change her name to Spartacus. That's a good one. <laughs> Those are all our entries here. Um, I don't know, man. I think I'm going with the JML, the, the, the Ed Orgeron one. Uh, what was the second one? I think the second one is one I kept in mind that I like the most. Um, JML also said, I think that was his only one. 
No, I mean the second one of the list, you, uh, the ones you just read off. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Dellen, he said, allegedly, between the beef stems between Charlotte telling Vince that the wrestlers want to unionize. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. That's it. I'll go with that one. <laughs> yeah, so shouts out to uh, Dellen and the JML. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, like I said, I don't believe anything about Charlotte at this point, or laugh at least at anything at this point it'll be interesting to see where this goes i think more wrestlers should stand up for themselves if they think something stupid um you know i have personally have come on this show and said i wish wrestlers weren't so soft sometimes they would they would act more like austin or rock or uh hogan or and tell them to get fucked like act like stars uh unfortunately this is a uh side effect of that you never really want to see real beef pop off among these people. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like so, uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a, there's a lot of uh, c- competition uh, to stay at the top in the women's division. Uh, we can clearly see there's like a cast system of the women's division. Like there's like that queen's crown tournament level uh, of the women's wrestlers, but amongst the top, like Charlotte's trying to fight off the rest of the horsemen and Bianca. So like, at this point, I think they're reaching a point where uh, they're squeezing everybody and someone's going to pop out eventually. And it might be Charlotte. So she's for me, it looks like she wants to stay like and she's like, you know, overprotective. She's prideful over work. And um, but for me, it would be shocking if she was the one that I always said there is room for one big person like 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 there's one big woman jump that's going to come. Um, mm-hmm. in this thing, and it could be Charlotte. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's just so hard to think. Like, for me, I think it would be a breath of fresh air for her to be outside of WWE where she's not being babied and protected and, and whatever else. And, like, she can have some actual input on what she actually does as opposed to, like, the only thing interesting about her is the fact that she's holding a belt, like, 10 months out of the year, every year. Um, so from that perspective, I think, I think it'd be a, a new lease on life for her. And also I think, you know, given how poorly they booked the women's division, the women's division on the main roster, like, or in all of WWE ever since he put the belt on Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I, I think that like you look at what she could possibly do in AEW if she were to get out or, cause we obviously don't know when, she, if and when, but you look at the program she would have lined up, um, in theory, and like I can tell you, that's more interesting than like her versus Becky Part Nineteen um, coming to some Survivor Series. In my opinion, um, they did that to death. Um, and you know they're saying like the big thing they're going for is doing Sasha and and, and Charlotte. And I'm just like, I I saw all of that for in 2015 and 16. I don't really, I mean, I don't think they have anything else to surprise or shock us with that we haven't seen before with him. Um, so. Especially with the current booking regime, like which would well, yeah. we know all the stories they would do with it. So yeah, for me, it's just like you know, I, I really there's nothing really else for her to do except for take on new the, the younger the younger um, newer acts. But like, there's look, it, she she's already kneecapped before before they even got a chance to get to the main roster. Like, if you were to say who would be the two that you want to see, like most. Like Bianca's made it. She's already a star. She's already main person in WWE. But like the person left would be Rhea. I never want to see Rhea and Charlotte wrestle again. Yeah, they've they've been nothing but 
mad kind of for each other. Oh yeah, um, Bruce uh, with a or MJ does PR. He says, um, "Did you guys see that Renee Paquette interview with Ariel Hawani? She told an outrageous story about Vince screaming Vince in the, the microphones about the about the, yeah yeah. I, I've heard that story before, but I never but I didn't know that it was her, and I didn't yeah. know it was that recent." bad man um like i listened to her describe it it was like she got transported back to this awful time in her life and it was like there so much like of the power dynamics like i started thinking about and like he was just yelling at this woman to just like look in the camera and i was at like he or she hears him because she said the gypsy king tyson free instead of the lineal champion yeah, like as and, it, and he and he goes off on his tirade saying you fucking ruined it. Here, check this out, Vince. Take no your one ass, take your old ass back out in front of the screen and be the and be commentary again. If missing one phrase or one descriptor except the other descriptor ruins the whole fucking thing, then clearly you have written a poor show. Yes. Uh, it was bad, and she <laughs> like, and you think about the way Renee was kind of beloved in her role is like this this Okerlund like figure. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can all agree that the commentary didn't work out uh, as well as like some would have hoped. Yeah, because they miscast her at the beginning. Like, she was she was in NXT when she was in NXT. She was mostly being the play by play person, and they brought her in, and because Cole's there. They made her the the face color against Graves. That's a kneecapping role in itself. Yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, they they you know they talk about how they're training them, uh, training the wrestlers for success, and training the person on screen talent for success, whatever else. And then like they get up to the main roster, and then they get asked to do something that they weren't being trained for, and then they wonder why the shit doesn't work out, doesn't work off like work like swimmingly well. And then they make changes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't really have much more on, on the Charlotte stuff. Um, I guess we can talk about uh, AEW from uh, like Rampage and uh, Dynamite. Um, Rampage uh, had uh, three big matches on there. Um, the main event was Pac and Andrade. Uh, a hell of a match. A just a match. It was just like, good God! I'd love to see them them wrestle like a million times. Like, but I know they're not gonna fight a million times, but I wouldn't mind if they did. It was just just a lot of a lot of cool spots, creative finish. I thought, um, and it, it was you know uh, another reminder. Uh, who we dealing with here? Yeah, um, that's the best match I've seen out of Andrade since like that. First SmackDown match with um, from t- in 2018 with Ray, like I think it's like February of 2018. Um, where like I was, I love that match. So I thought it was like one of the best WWE TV matches ever. Um, like this was like a, a notch better than that um, from that perspective. Um, maybe not as far as like the in- insane moves, but like just the the. The striking was just like another level, and it took it up another notch compared to that. Um, yeah, great match. One of my favorite matches in AEW this year. Um, I feel like I'm saying it every two weeks now. 
um, yep, yep. between the Danielson match to the, the Danielson Omega match, the Suzuki match, um, the cage match, ladder match. I'm sorry, the cage match, tag match, uh, where mm-hmm. Lucha, Bell, Lucha Bros won in this match. I just <laughs> just had a blast watching it for the last like AEW in the last um, month and a half. Britt Baker beat in a J. This was the R8 match. Um, I thought both of them tried um, different kind of moves. I think Anna J's uh, strikes, she needs to lay it in a little more. But, uh, you know. I like uh, I like Britt's approach at the, at the, um, at the beginning, um, trying to work a more, like, mat-based um, attack. I, I enjoyed it. Um I don't think it really tied together that well with what happened at, towards the end of it, but like, I do appreciate her trying to, you know, try new things in the ring. And Orange Cassidy eliminated Powerhouse Hobbs from the World Title Eliminated <laughs> Tournament. Um, oh, man. Powerhouse Hobbs did a really cool torture rack. Uh, I hope he incorporates that in. The finish was weird. I, I still don't really remember or know like what the fuck they were thinking. Like he was like he got ended up getting rolled up, but there was like some distraction stuff going on, and it was just like, come on, man, just beat somebody. Yeah, like Hobbs took eighty five nine percent of this match, um, and they did point to their match they had previously where he where Hobbs squashed got squashed, um, and. You know, I, I just, um, it wasn't a match. I don't think it was a match they meant to try to, like, super entertain you with. It was a match just to tell a story and get on and kind of protect both parties. Yeah, um, but that was Rampage. Um, I actually went to Dynamite on Saturday in Orlando. Had a great time, I would probably say. Um, like, it wasn't the, the best AEW show I went went to, but it was, it was, it was up there. Like, it, just, like, everything... Super hot in the building. Uh, had fun doing all the sing-alongs, um, popping and booing. Like we booed Cody Rhodes the fuck out the building, big time. Um, uh, Danielson and uh, Dustin was great. Um, they were, you know, there were a lot of people uh, that were like Big Show is still really over just because you know he's a fucking legend and singing his theme song is uh is really quite an experience in the arena. I suggest everyone try it. Um, was it was it just y'all or was it more people? It might have been just us. Okay. Like, but okay. um, yes, the the setup was the reverse of what it normally is. Um, they were coming out the opposite tunnels. I noticed that. Um, I don't know who said that. It was Sam. Yeah, uh, it, it was the opposite. But yeah, man, I I had a great time. Um, like it was a it was a very fun night. Like, uh, you know, for a Saturday dynamite, like you know, I didn't know what I was like expecting, kind of, but I I felt like I you know I, I wasn't let down or anything. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a good show. Um, I think Rampage was better because you know it's a one hour show and you got the best match out of uh, out of it, but it was still a good show. Um, uh, do you want to go through it? Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Let's yeah, let's go through it. The opener. So we had um, Dustin Rhodes and Brian Danielson, and boy, boy, um, these are two of my favorite wrestlers of my life. Um, and I got a very like unique match here. Um, these guys never really had a singles match of record of of you know any type of high profile nature together. So this is kind of a first time match. This was. Uh, Brian was very over in the building. Dustin, everybody like kind of nod their head and show respect. And then they had like this 
this nice, cool match, you know, where Dustin or excuse me, where Brian Danielson was was not an underdog, as I keep coming on this um, show every week <laughs> and saying he's not an underdog. He's coming to fight you, kick the shit out of you, and then um, he broke out another uh, way to win matches here. Yeah, he um, he ended up hitting a guillotine or locking in a guillotine with the uh, which is the, his old move from from his ROH days. Yeah, um, I love this match, um, and you know, like I, I'm a person that can be very simple to please, but so rarely do people ever want to give me going to please like the fandom that I have. Like, and, like, that's the reason why, like, I like Joshi so much, because, like, it's not necessarily, like, they can do some flying, but, like, you're not going to see someone break out a fucking 630, like, the only person I've ever seen hit a, a Phoenix Splash or a Red Arrow is, like, Hazuki and, and Sayakamatani, like, the flying's not their thing, but, like, just basic technical mat wrestling, hard-hitting, rope-running, like, the simple stuff that, like, I grew up on and watched in WCW on on 605 on Saturdays or Monday Night Raw, like, is there. Like, when I watch Dustin, like, run the ropes, it takes me back to watching, like, Shawn Michaels or Brett or Undertaker run the ropes, and you're just like, they're hitting these bitches at full speed, and it's not, like, some half-assery, where it's like, they gotta get their feet right because they're about to go do a flip dive. Like, I just enjoy watching people look athletic in the ring and cool in the ring. And like, it's not that hard for me. So, um, watching Dustin with Daniel Bryan, like I already knew like, this is going to be great. Like Dustin is great. Like Dustin does what I want. Dustin will hit them ropes and he'll bend back on the ropes and like, and come, come like a, like he's shot out of a cannon off the ropes. Um, and he has all technical stuff and he works as he works that simple style of like, you know, you're setting up towards like the power slam, you know, you're going to get like the, um, you know you're gonna get some chops. You know you're gonna get some claps on the mat and everything. It's like a simple, basic wrestling. Like I just um, and he's very fucking good at it. And he's always been good at it. And like seeing him in there with Brian and Brian is just like pretty much being a six six guy at a five eight, right? Like chopping he, him down. Yeah, and he has to fight and he has to fight back and then he has his comeback and the comeback working and then you know he ends up losing on the guillotine. Like I loved it. It was a fun match. Um, very very fun match. Like I had, had a, I ended up. I ended up thinking like definitely four, maybe even four and a quarter, but I, I really enjoyed the match. Really did. I, I was four and a quarter quarter on it. I'm um, somewhere in between, yeah. So they um also um they moved on from there and we got into this absolutely molten hot in the building segment um with MJF uh coming out uh in uh or excuse me, there was a promo first. I uh, how dare I skip the world champion? Um, Kenny Omega basically uh, tries Adam Page's life in a promo. Um, basically, talk instead of cowboy shit, he's coward shit. Uh, he talked about how while Hangman was out here trying to find himself and you know saying that you know he's drinking moonshine and getting drunk, like Kenny was always uh, title material. He was the one you know holding the shit together, and basically. You know, so that shit was coward shit, and he looked in the camera, got dead serious with that man. So um, we're we're heating up. Did you notice that before they went to the actual uh, part where he starts talking, they they cut, they they were shoes. staring at the shoes, and then they panned up, and I was just like, oh, they're okay. Shoes, I, you know, obviously, you know, not in front of people. Um, and they were out here really wearing the shoes. Apparently, like. I, 
I don't know what Top Dog was talking about. Whatever. It worked for him, so congratulations. <laughs> um, it's so, so, so silly. Just so silly. Um, so, so fake. Uh, so fake provocative. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was a great promo, but it, it was, it was something. Um, I, I kind of want to see a face to face, like with them, um, without like the, like the hyena, the laughing hyenas from, from Lion King in the back, like Cole and the young bucks, just like those two go face to face and air out whatever we have to say to each other. Cause like, that's been a big part of this. That's left. That's left me cold. And has been kind of left unsaid is like, what what obviously you know you know what's the like issue why don't you why don't you like each other not even why don't you like each other why do you at why do you at like exes like after he lost that match um at double or nothing is that when they, is that when they lost the head belts they lost him at all out last all year. out yeah all out yeah that's right um after they lost him at um all out like they completely separated omega turned the clock around um. Uh, your boy, uh, Hangman was still he. He desperately wanted to be, still be a tag team, and he's like, I'm not believe that, that he's that he's giving up on the tag team until he enters the, the Eliminator. He enters the Eliminator, and he's like, I gotta go, he'd go cry in the back. Um, and then I'm gonna join in. And I need. I, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to tell. He's gonna have to show me with his fist that he doesn't want. He doesn't want me anymore. And then he showed him with his fist in the fucking one we angel. He doesn't want him anymore. And then. <laughs> And then like me. Right. And then like for and then ever since then, like it's been this like it, it's like it's almost like whenever they lock they see each other, like they lock eyes, almost like you can see one of them get shot in the heart almost. It's like I can can we get like a can we get y'all to like come together? Can we get the tension like in the form of you know, verbalized? I, I, can we get the tension verbalized? See, like cause I, that would be a great promo to set up your I, match that you're gonna have. I wanna see the violent masculinity, personally. Violent like, masculinity. You know, it, this shit is too emotional, you know, for me. Like, it's too, it's too soft. You know, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see someone say they want to kick the other one's ass and I don't like you and you a bitch. And, you know, I, I need something like that personally. I, I don't like it. It's, it's already good enough for me. It, like, if they mailed it in the rest of the way, it, it would, I would hate, I wouldn't hate it. But, like, I would just, I just want to see, like, what is this? What is the, what do they have to say to each other before they actually fight? That's what I would like to see. I would like to see what they have to say to each other face face before they fight. That's that's kind of what I want to want to get to. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, we still get that. So FTR cut a promo. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Some of the best wrestlers in Mexico, are best luchadors now, and they also want the AEW titles. And they went back and forth with um, Pentagon and uh, Abrahantes. So yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, he had the he had the big uh, thing on his eye. Yeah. So MJF came out, and or excuse me, Sting came out. Huge pop. We uh we love Sting. Uh, Sting was in WCW country, Impact country. <laughs> Impact uh, country. <laughs> so before he can say a word, MJF came out, and my God, I want to tell you the booze. Like there was only one person that was getting more booed than MJF, uh, and that was Cody at the <laughs> Cody. end of the night. But <laughs> this shit was just like, God damn, he has everybody. Um, and this segment right here, it was just like he's so fucking good. He's such a fucking superstar. He's such so, he's he's so clearly gonna be the man for 
the next 20 years like incredible like just like he he told that man darby is he's gonna be and he's in the same place as old pal lex luger in a wheelchair and his thing steals on him and it was like you motherfucker like <laughs> like like just you know he told uh, people in orlando that they settled their problems with gun violence and incest and i just howled um, I, I popped for that line too yeah man like like MJ is the best, man. He's he, he's the best. People got just got to get used to it. You know, I don't, I don't care if you don't like it, but get used to it. And uh, they whooped Sting's ass. Yes, 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 yes. They 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 whooped his ass. Um, K or sorry, uh, Spears came to uh, help out. Uh, MJF with a chair shot, Sting no sold the chair shot, and then Warlow had to had to actually uh, stop Sting. So I thought it was a nice touch. Um, then um, they use the chair again, and then they uh, have Sting propped up against MJF, who's sitting in that cha- same chair, and he's talking to the the camera about like you know Darby, I know you're watching this, and like this is going to be what happens to you, and like gets tons of heat, obviously, and. Like people can't wait for Darby to kick his ass. So mission accomplished. Mission was accomplished like two, three weeks ago, but still, even more mission accomplished. So uh, Britt cuts a promo on Ty Conti, says that she's been out here showing her ass a lot, and she bounds to beat it when they meet at full gear. Um, so Britt Baker and Ty Conti. So uh, and also they revealed the bracket for the TBS uh, women's tournament, which led to the next match uh, on this show. So there were four buys. The top four ranked women got buys, and then the rest of the people had to qualify to get into the next round. Yeah. Uh, one of the qualifying matches was Ruby Soho versus Penelope Ford. Uh, Ruby Soho was very over. We had fun singing the song. I learned that Zach hates the the Ruby Soho song. You just learned that he's been saying it since day one. Yeah, I, I was sitting next to him, and then he just talked about how much he hated. He also hated cult of personality too, which I didn't. Yeah. I, I was baffled by. I, was I ain't like, got nothing huh? on that one. I was like, what? I like, <laughs> like uh, uh, Zach, uh, see, so Zach, he doesn't like, not only does he not like the Ruby Soul song, he doesn't like Rancid, period. And like, for me, it's like, okay, like, this is the only Rancid song I think I've ever heard, so I don't care. <laughs> so, um, this, this was a alright match. It wasn't um, offensive or anything, but it, it was longer than most of the matches in the Queen's Crown Tournament, which I saw a lot of people posting about and saying, like, I think this went like eight and a half minutes, and it was mm-hmm. like, yo, you get like four Queen's Crown matches in this bitch. I believe the entire first round was shorter than the match. Yeah. Um, Ruby ended up getting the win. Um, she on a roll up. Off on a roll up. From uh, the bunny, I think. The bunny was out there, so acknowledge oh, yeah. the bunny. The bunny, the bunny went to throw in the brass knucks. The ref saw the brass knuck. Rick Knox, of all people, was observant to cheating on the outside of all things. You know, the. <laughs> Fucking Keystone Cop, um, he, he uh, and then uh, she ends up uh, winning with the with the O'Connor roll. So yeah, yeah. So Ruby won. Um, so like, uh, I need to find a copy of the bracket. But uh, did you see the bracket, James? Um, I don't remember it, so I can't help you. Sorry. Okay. Um, we will come back to it uh, at some point. Uh, up next, we had Bobby Fish versus Anthony Green. This was a short squash. Um, had fun singing Bobby Fish's theme song. You know the uh, words to it? 
just one part like that. I'll give you a reason. And we were like, whoa. So um, I didn't I, know the rest or anything like I, that. But I'm going to keep it a buck with you. People people were so – or people were uh, happy that um, – like he's using his uh, or he's using the uh, Red Dragon theme song, and I hear it, and I'm just like, y'all can't pick nothing better than this. <laughs> like, this, this, shit, this shit sounds no, that shit don't move me at all. Like it's okay, like funny. whatever. Like this, like this shit ain't better than the undisputed music. Are you kidding me? Um. So Anthony Green got to do one move that was cool off the top rope, and then he essentially got ate up and beat. And then um, fish, uh, it, it's dead. Is dead obvious what's about to happen. I'm like, well, what the fuck is going on? And then he jumps on him after the match, keeps whooping his ass. Then CM Punk comes out and saves Anthony Green. I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't you come out and save Sting, CM Punk? But whatever, um, we can save Anthony Green, but not Sting. So they set up Bobby Fish and CM Punk. So Bobby Fish continues the dream match tour. The, the, the charity. Dream. Okay, you gotta stop. There is no such is, thing is as Bobby Fish sick. You know, is something going on? Rich. Like, is Bobby Fish owed money? Rich, there is no such thing as a Bobby as a Bobby Fish dream match. Ain't nobody except for what the matches I that mean, Bobby just, Fish dreams of. Nobody's like, you know what? I can't wait to. See, or let me phrase it. There is there is not a a. Uh, a large sect of people that are dreaming for Bobby Fish to wrestle Wrestler X. That is not a thing. So Thank I don't you, know. Dylan. The Make-A-Wish match tour. Thank you. Look, like, <laughs> So, this is a thing. Like, like you went off on this morning. And I was kind of like, I don't see how there's any different from, like, the other times they'll have somebody in here for, like, a month or two, like, almost nonstop. So, uh, I didn't care. And plus, like, all those matches have been good. So, it's like, I don't. Whatever, like any setup as a person, like he's gonna win like one or two matches to then go lose to stars, and like with so he has a he has credibility as he beat other people underneath, he can't beat people on top, and for me, like that's perfectly fine, and like I'd rather him, I'd rather him like have these take these L's than like Dante Martin take these L's. Dante Martin like needs to be having matches where like he's blowing the roof off and then he loses, and then you think. Wow, that dude's special. Like, Bobby Fish not having a match where you think, why that dude's special. You might think, that why that dude's good, but not special. So, for me, it's like, I I don't think him being, I don't think him taking, quote, unquote, uh, TV time from anyone else is to a detriment. It's to, like, boost, it's a boost the stats for the stars. Yeah. Um, I'm just tired of seeing him. Seeing him. Like, it, it's just so concentrated and focused over the last, like, three weeks like you get sammy brian and then punk and i'm like well what the fuck like i like can, can we mix no one else in here um I, it's not gonna be like this it's not gonna be like this a month from now so that's yeah. why i'm not worried about it like he's not gonna be he's not going to be on tv three out of four weeks in like, matches he's not like we see all the people in the women's division like thunder rosa like we're like just you know, scraping for, for 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 TV time, like something like you you. But we just gotta keep booking this this grandfather. Like like, what are we doing? Like <laughs> so. So, um, I do have the brackets now. Okay. 
Okay, so the uh, the TBS Women's Championship Tournament, the top half of the bracket, the uh, at the top, uh, the first the first buy is Thunder Rosa, the second buy is Jay Cargill. Uh, the winner of Anna Jay versus Jamie Hader will face Thunder Rosa. The winner of the Bunny and Red Velvet will face Jay Cargill. The bottom half of the bracket, the furthest down is Chris Statlander with a buy, and the other buy is Nala Rose. Uh, Penelope Four uh, faces, or Penelope Four, it'll be Ruby Soho because she beat uh, Penelope Four. She will then be tasting, taking on Statlander in the next round, and then uh, you will get Sheeta versus Deeb in the battle over that fifty win trophy. Uh, the winner of that will take on uh, Nyla Rose in the next round. Gotta say, I'm uh, I'm into the tournament. When I saw the bracket, I was like, this makes all the sense of the world. It's like you imported your rivalries kind of in those those qualifying matches. You got sure you made use of your rankings, and um, it's like everyone that's in there, you know, aside from Ty Conti, who's actually going to face the champion. It's like, all right, the we could see any one of them almost win. Like as far as like you know, you start looking at Thunder, Jade, Statlander. Um, Maybe even Ruby Soho. Uh, any of them, I think, you know, I don't know where the winner is coming from. And AW does a good job in their tournament sometimes, uh, especially the last women's tournament they booked, the Women's World Title Eliminator one on YouTube. Um, they were taking you, like, Rio Mizunami won that. I didn't expect that. So it right. was like, you know, you never know, quite know where you're going. So I think it's going to be booked pretty well. And we'll probably get some good matches out of that. I think it's going to kick the shit out of the Queen's Crown Tournament. I didn't watch a minute of the Queen's Crown Tournament. Oh, yeah. They but, didn't have um, a chance to have good matches. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. yeah I uh, obviously, I don't think, I don't know if there'll be anything in this tournament aside from maybe uh, Serena D versus Sheeta that will be better than, um, that will be better than, uh, like the opening round of the um, AEW Women's Eliminator later tournament, like um, watching like um, Emmy Sakura versus uh, was it was it Oscar Vinny? I think it was yes, yes, yeah. Like I don't think there'll be anything as good as that necessarily, but like it'll be a good tournament, I imagine. Um, and as you mentioned, they have stuff all like whoever wins between. Um, they're just built-in robberies and just off of the the buys. Like whoever wins between whoever like Nyla faces is going to be like just a built-in thing. So um, right. it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And then like you know they already have like people that have buys like have smoke with each other. Like you know Statlander and, and um, Nyla have old have smoke from 2020. Um, Jade and Nyla, you know Nyla threw out Jade in the uh, the Battle Royal a few weeks ago. So yeah. If they mean if they were to meet in the finals, for example, like they have they have storylines playing into this, so it's going to be interesting. So Leo Rush is um, teaming with Dante Martin against the Side O Brothers. They do like a quick interview. Uh, Leo talks about all the things that he needs to show uh, Dante, and one of them uh, he basically is going to show him all the things that Matt Sidell didn't show him. Um, puts over Dante as the future. He knows he can beat Sidell, so that's going to be fun to watch. Um, I think this will be Leo Rush's debut match in the promotion. Uh, Or, you know, his debut battle royal match. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, So up next, we had Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. And man, Eddie, super over in the building. Like, he got the biggest reaction, like, I think as a babyface, possibly on the show. Uh, As soon as he hit. As a guy guy that attacks him from behind. Correct. (laughs) You know, um, Archer had it coming to him, apparently. So, 
um, man. Yeah, so they, they had a match. There. Things were going well, and then um, and they, they were going really well. They were having an awesome match. Like, it was getting over. They were brawling. They were <laughs> he, slamming. He, he used pooping kicks in the ass. Like, Bro. he shot that man from behind, and then he said, how dare you? Like, look. Look, you had a week tour in Japan. I was there for years. Get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, I, I didn't hear that part. I was sitting in the crowd. That's funny. No, he didn't know. He didn't actually say that. But that's the energy he was giving off. It's like, oh, you, you know, oh, Fort Pillars, Tao, Tao, and, and, and Kabashi and shit. How about this? How about holding these Suzuki, these uh, uh, sorry, Suzuki Goon arms and, and uh, clubs that uh, hit that man with? He beat the shit out of Kingston. Kingston. Like, have you ever seen a gif of when uh, he had to tra- try to do a trap battle with uh, Walter? Yes. And he just, like, he got shot one time, and then he went to his knees, and, like, he was, like, done. And he, was, uh, he was basically trying to fight to keep him off of him. Like, yes. that was pretty much, like, what the, what this match was uh, for a good portion of it. And then, like, I thought Kingston was going to come back and win, obviously. Um so like you know the the moonsault thing happens and he lands on his head on his on his forehead with his uh, neck down um, basically after he had mostly rotated to getting um, more than most of the way over but not all the way um, and for me I thought it was more of a concussion issue than a neck issue issue but like the word was he jammed his neck up bad so um, you know he luckily you know nothing looked too terrible um, the way he was able to roll out and he was under control of his body and then got back in the ring to get pinned up get pinned but. I don't. Th- I don't think that Archer was going to win that match. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. But um, I, you know, hope it gets well soon because, like, Archer's Archer's fucking. He's good, so man. fucking awesome. He's like, fucking it, good. he's great in person. Like, uh, like this was this was a heated match. Like, and it sucked. Like, it kind of got like. Well, they got know, beef. Got sh- they got beef yeah. going back to last year. Yeah. So, anytime those two get together, it's, it's really good. Sam actually mentioned something in the comments. Um, I said, did you guys see the uh, the Brian Daniels and Eddie Kingston promo after Dynamite? Yeah, that's Hated. what makes people. Yeah, like one, I thought Kingston made more sense because you know it feels like eventually it's going to be inevitably is going to be Moxley versus um, Danielson. So you yep. do the Kingston match on the way. Um, so like doing rolls to the top, you know, like first like that first commercial break, they'll go to the locker room with Shivani with whether it was Sammy Guevara the, that one week or whoever else the next. Um, right, I was Heyman the, uh, the second week. Uh, this week it was Daniel Bryan said about you know tournament and then uh kingston walks up and kingston um he starts trying to break king starts trying to break bad with danielson and he said look man um i think that you're great i think that you have all the talent in the world world but you do not but you have not put in the work and no matter how hard and how much you want this title uh you will not get it uh because you're facing me in a week and there's not enough uh not enough things you can do in a week to make up for not putting in the work over the last 20 years of your life and then Kingston just like Man. i can't he was like i can't believe you said, i can't believe you said that and walked away like just just like hurt hurt and i was hurt. like yeah man they're having a good ass match they're having a good Boy, ass that's match that's like bro like that's like that uncomfortable truth you hit somebody with and it's like Fuck, this man's right. Like, you know what <laughs> and then I saw someone mention it. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but it's like, think of how awesome Kingston has to be for him to like have the thing that people know about him be public, and then like actually mention it, uh, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I mean, but we give people that kind of indulge or that kind of like um, self awareness or, or prop for for adding that kind of reality to it. But then when like we talk about we we let. Uh, John Cena go Ethan Randy Orton and we don't really give it we don't really give Orton that kind of props now do we like 
You've had troubles in the ring. You've had troubles outside the ring. We were all oohed and awed and then moved on. We didn't type a soliloquy about how cool Randy Orton is for, for, for letting, you know, uh, real life bleed into his storylines. We didn't really do that. But um, but I'm not holding against it. I thought it was cool, and uh, I can't wait for them to wrestle each other. Yeah, that's going to be... It's gonna be a lot of chops, like in kicks, like because it's sounding off. Um, so after that, uh, Lambert and you know, the year. Oh, can can we get a request that Bryce uh, refs this match so he can so he can cry when when Kingston oh, taps out again? Um, <laughs> it's it's like what submission hole will Brian beat him with? I don't like, know. Well, what will be the heel? Will it one, be the LaBelle lock? It, it needs will to be. be the- <laughs> It needs to be one where you can see Kingston, uh, you can see Kingston's face, and then he can realize he's fucked, and he and then he re- and then like, King- and then you can see Bryce beg with him to, re- to, to just give up, and then he gives up, and then like Bryce cries. I didn't so see Bryce so cry again. It's got to be the heel hook, man. <laughs> heel hook, uh, you know, because you can also like if you want to get something that would anger Moxley in, in the build up, like you didn't have to hit, you didn't have to do that. Like he's gonna be put on the shelf for weeks now or months. Uh, you know, like heel hooks rip ACLs up. Um, so like, if you wanted to go that right, you could, but like, you know, a, a, a LaBella lock would work too. You could just be dead to rice and you can see his face and he just can't make it to the ropes. He's going to give it up. So, so Sam is advocating on Eddie Kingston's behalf. Uh, he said, Eddie wasn't shitting in anyone's bag, James. I did not say that he was. No, I'm saying that's that's out. why, that's why people are going to go hard for Eddie Kingston. Like, like Randy Orton hasn't made those fans. Like, I, to, I am not saying that one is more uh, deserving of the props than the other. I'm just pointing out that like they're both bearing "quote unquote" their dirty laundry in front of the fans. That's all I was saying. Yeah. So um, Lambert and the Man of the Year came out. Uh, we were booing big time uh, for Lambert. I didn't think Lambert necessarily like went nuts this, this week. This was or not anything. a great promo for Lambert. Um, I thought that uh, Page did a very good job on his own, yeah. which is like. Kind of why I was like, eh, you know, he if they want to do that with him, sure, or with them, sure. But I think they kind of have it. I think it's helped them though, obviously. Yeah. So they ended up, you know, going back and forth with Sammy Guevara. Sammy talks about, you know, no one gives a fuck about Ethan Page, but Ethan Page. It's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> they they uh, eventually ended up coming to some stipulation where Lambert was like, hey, you need to put your TNT title on the line against Ethan Page. If he loses, not only do you lose the inner circle, but or lose the TNT title, you have to leave the inner circle forever. I was like, well, why the fuck would Sammy do that? Like, what does he get out of it? And then um, a W because he ain't going to lose now. Right, right. Sure. Sammy clarifies the stakes, says they got themselves a deal under one condition. Once he beats Paige, he gets to decide that the three members of American top team that will get their ass kicked at full gear. So it's got to be JDS, Masvidal, and Paige Van Zandt's husband, right? Actually, uh, it might be Lambert. Is men of the year included in... American Top yes. Team or no? Or no, it's going to be minute year no matter what. And then oh, three, so more people. Oh, three more people. I think they're going to pick Lambert. That makes sense. Like, you obviously, you go through the match, you have the four, they get ran down in numbers, they get tired enough, and then, like, he's the last person standing on the apron, so he has to get in, and then, you know. Everybody you know, does their finish. Doing everyone, that man. You know, everyone politely 
you know, takes a piece out of his ass on the way to, you know, beating him. Or maybe actually they they saw him surviving and they win or live on another day, but he's got his ass whooped, so that's enough. I don't know. But obviously, you know, they build towards he's the last guy and he's shaking his boots on the way to um, hoping that, you know, his other four ghouls can uh, <coughs> save the day for him. Um, I need a movie montage of finishing moves put on Dan Lambert. <laughs> um, But yeah, so... Uh, you, you think he'll take the street sweeper? Week. Sure, why not? It's just a front face fall. He ain't taking no damn street sweeper. How old is uh, Lambert? He took the fucking Murderhawk monster. Like the the fucking everybody dies. He took Archer's finish. <sighs> All right, if he'll take it, he'll take it. I just imagine like if I was civilian, I ain't taking that. Hell no. <laughs> so Moxley cuts a promo. Um, for a while, you don't like quite really know where it's going, and then it all kind of ties together at the end. And then it's just like this dude is so fucking cool and awesome. I knew where like, it was going from the from, like once he started talking about like he want to be his family. It was like he's gonna do the, like everybody's in the way of me getting back to getting back to my house, so they have to pay. And uh, like he he, he said he didn't care that. about the demo. I was like, what? Is, I was like, this isn't like going near you. Like we care about the demo here. What, what are you talking about, Mox? Uh, I, I mean, he just wants like. That's not what's important, and what's important is like he has this new, uh, this new person in his life that like, you know, and so like yeah, like priorities and growing up and all that stuff, and like I loved it. Uh, it was my favorite pro of the, promo of the night, to be honest with you. And like I thought, I saw that I watched, watched, I was like, can't find nothing to do with him. Right, right. Just like I just cannot figure out like. Like for my money, he's the best promo in the world. Like obviously, people will say MJF or Kingston or or whoever else, but like for me, just like the last uh, since he got AEW, it's been him for me. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. Like he it just you give him ninety seconds, two minutes, and it's always a, it's always a stand up double or something better. Like he's just so consistently good. So we got him in ten uh, next week, and <sighs> good luck, ten. Yeah. So that's a callback from uh, a match that happened last year during the pandemic. Apparently, apparently, ten is a, you know he's getting ready for for Moxley. He potatoed. Uh, yeah, QC um, was out here QC. like this. We could see yeah. that shit from like sitting the first couple rows off the floor. Mm. Getting ready. He's still gonna so, drop uh, on his head though. Yep, so uh, a couple comments. So Bruce says, uh, great promo, but made me think they aren't turning him heel like I thought they were going to after squashing uh, Willer Yuta. Sam says, king of the two-minute shot across the bow. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's turning heel. Um, maybe. I-, I think him and Danielson is is a very interesting dynamic because they both are very serious. Um, there's not much smiling and joking with Brian Danielson right now. Um, he, he still smiles on the way to the ring and that kind like of thing. He smiles on the way to the ring, but he's a fucking killer. Like yeah. he's a shark. He is, he is a, um, a murderer like in, in the ring. And it's like, uh, like when he was beating on Nick Jackson the other week, it was like, fuck, this is brutal. Like, like, God damn. Like, um, but I think the dynamic is real. Like just seeing like how kind of rough around the edges both these guys feel. Something's happening. Someone's turning. I don't know who. I think it'd be crazy to turn Danielson Hill anytime soon. 
Like it's been too successful. Um, and then like you know, in theory, we all think that um, Omega will not be champion after Full Gear. So like, he can go after he can go see who he can figure out who's the best for real now. At this time, with like him and Omega, like there's no belt, no time limit. Just go out there and do the thing. Um, and then he can figure out from there. But like, I I feel like you know he's kind of just. He could be the number one contender. He could even put that on the line and be like, look, you want your AEW t- world title back? You got to come face me. And then, you know, hits him with one of the 50 uh, finishing moves he has. And then he goes on towards um, Hangman or whatever else. And then Hangman should probably beat him. Um, speaking of Hangman, so Hangman was talking to the Dark Order. Um, says that those guys are always right about even you know, how they won't agree thanked them and said if they're going to go back after the, the elite he has an idea and said told him they need to get Halloween costumes um, because of course they don't want to let the elite outdo them um, I saw it and I was like okay <laughs> yeah um, they're back to being flat out geeks like um um, like I don't, I don't know, man. Like unless Hangman is with them, they're just, just, they're just geeks. The likable, they're, they're, they probably sell merch still too, but they're just kind of treading water. Like you know, maybe they'll be more active once um Hangman comes champion. Because I imagine like once he wins, like they'll storm the ring, you know, for his for his victory and that kind of thing, and a whole bunch of hugs of galore. And it's like you know, uh, the last, uh, the last. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Return of the Jedi with like the on Endor with like the 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 puppets like dancing around after they destroyed Empire and all that kind of stuff and is super happy and all that kind of stuff. But um, they're geeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was it was just there for me. Um, Jungle Boy and Brandon Color. Uh, this was fun. Exactly what and it funny be. and hilarious and yeah, it was, it was just like. I love Brandon Cutler. I have loved him pretty much since he was on Dark doing the thing with Peter Avalon on BTE. He's so self-aware. He's so hilarious. Doesn't mind showing his ass. Uh, Jungle Boy needed a, a win. Um, they had done a little bit of beating on him. He needed a uh, win, so he got one and proceeded to get his ass destroyed. <laughs> he did. He did. But but the next time he fights Adam Cole, so uh, let's get let's so- get it. The, the rundown is um, Jungle Boy quickly dispatches of uh, Cutler and puts him in a snare trap of like probably in two minutes. And um, it's very, very easy for, for Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy gets to the mic and says, look, that was a nice warm up. I want to face someone else. Um, so then Adam Cole comes out. Adam Cole buys some time as uh, as the Umbus comes, really over comes too. from behind. And uh, well, I mean, he did spend the last four years in Orlando. That that kind of is that kind of is cold country in a way. Um, like that's probably the same reason why Alistair was super over. Think about it, like right, like the was his first takeover Orlando or yes. NXT takeover Florida. We went to that takeover. Yeah, it was against Andrade, uh, believe it or not. So um, not you, not you, the, the fan, people listening. I almost called them fans. They're listeners. Don't call them fans. This sounds weird. Uh, so us having fans, Jesus Christ. Well, you're a rapper. You have fans. I don't have fans. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So 
like he comes out and he's buying some time, uh, and then the umbus come from behind and they double super kick. <sighs> <laughs> um, Jungle Boy, and then they pull him up to the ramp, and then they just throw his ass off, and he goes goes a flying through the table below, and um, Jungle Boy dead, and there was no Jurassic Express, no Christian, because he was def- losing and on the, the boat. He was he was uh, losing the Impact title um, hours later. Um, yeah. So yeah, no no Danielson either. That that yeah. whole that whole that whole eight man tag team of, of Jungle Express and Christian and Bryanson, nah, that's a one time thing, brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a one time thing. This, this, this is the babyface army, like you, yeah, you, you finna know. go flying, bro. I can't help you. <laughs> I have no wings to save you with. <laughs> so I would imagine they are probably um, gonna do Cole and Jungle Boy the pay per view. That should be awesome. It almost feels like they have too many matches. <clears throat> What's up? It almost feels like they have too many matches for pay per view. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm not sure. So uh, right, let's, we'll, let's see what let's else they add. Right? Just just put up number. Just uh, let me know if I repeat any of them. Right? Okay. AEW World Title Match: Kingman and um, and Omega. Um, the tech, the the AEW World Eliminator, which is probably Bryson versus Moxley. Um, Brits. Uh, Ritz Britain match. Ty Conti. Britain Ty Conti. That's three. Um, the tag match: uh, Lucha Bros versus FTR. That's four. Jericho versus sorry, Inner Circle versus American Top Team in Men of the Year. That's five. Um, Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole. That's six right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you think we're gonna get a TBS thing? I don't think that's going to be on the paper. Okay, what are the Young Bucks doing? Guess. What are the Young Bucks doing? Probably Jurassic Express, right? No, because that's Jungle Boy. Oh yeah, that's um, right. so, so they could pull anybody out and fight the Young Bucks. So just put Young Bucks match. Young Bucks match. Okay, MGF versus Darby. That's eight. Yep. That's eight right there. I feel like we haven't mentioned CM Punk yet. What's CM Punk doing? CM Punk. Um, no idea what he's doing. Unless he's wrestling <laughs> like Tony Khan had on that paper, Wardlow or something. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. CM Punk's got to get on the show. You're right. So a CM Punk match will be nine. Um, what What is happening with Cody and uh, Cody Malachi Black and, and Malachi Black and Andrade and Pac? No idea. That would be nine and ten or or nine. So somebody's probably going to get bumped to like either the show after or before uh, All Out. Or not All Out, fucking Full Gear. Okay. So um, the main event, we, we have Malachi. We haven't mentioned Miro. We don't know if like what Archer is doing. Is there is there some type of a battle royal? We don't have no clue. No clue. Yeah. Like they have way, they have a lot of stuff. They have to. Um, figure out what's gonna be on this card, and it's definitely gonna go four hours. And I'm gonna be like, why? Just why can't we just get seven matches in three hours? But it is what it is, I guess. So we got Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes three. Uh, I'll just tell you what in the building it was like, yo, this is Malachi Black country. Uh, Cody came out here. We let the booze out. Um, like somebody let the dogs out back in the day. I basically I got 
the first Cody sucks chant um, you, you um, guys heard like came directly from me and Josh, oh like then in the the whole arena took off on that shit, and it was uh it was a quite a proud moment. Um, but all in all, uh, I thought it was a hell of a match. Um, it was a uh, it was a lot going on. Um, so at one point, I did uh, turn to Dan. I was like, "Look, you see everything that's going on right now." We're not watching Cody. We're watching motherfuckers brawl on the apron. We're watching Arn Anderson in the ring. We're watching all this other shit that has nothing to do with Cody. But like nothing to do with the match. Right. And then but I was like, man, it's so loud. People are so into this. I was like, wow, it feels like pro wrestling. Like that that was like the the default feeling I had uh watching it. And it was like it felt like a really big match. And then like it was like shit. And then we were all rooting against this this one dude, and then he fucking won. And it was like, fuck, fuck that asshole. Um, so they started so like, the match. I was I was gonna I was also gonna say okay. my, my fault. They like I don't know if the reaction in the building necessarily was the one that I was seeing online because I thought online people were way negative on it than they were in the building because it was like on yeah, the we match saw or on the result both like hmm. like people were really negative on the result and then like I don't I feel like in the building like we were like people were booing or whatever in the match like oh, okay like just fuck this guy we don't want him to win but it wasn't like some hey there's a colossal disaster happening like I, I didn't get that at all I I th- obviously you know the internet is hyperbolic um, so I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, and maybe I'm being more measured now that I have days, uh, pass on this, but, uh, or maybe it's cause I like, I checked out like once the run in started and I was like, I don't even care about this match. Cause I was like, what the fuck? I just want, I just want to see someone. I just want to see two people that have fought each other for a bunch of, for a, for a bunch of times. I decided to fucking training montage of, of shit of this dude wanting to f- figure out a way and get the hunger to fight this dude. And then all of a sudden there's like 40 motherfuckers coming out to get in the way of the match. What? What kind of story are you telling me with this bullshit? So all these chairs, Brock Anderson, uh, Lee Johnson. Yeah. Um, Arn was in the ring seemingly for so long. The ref trying to to get him out the ring while those two are both on the floor. And it's like, the fuck is this? Um, So for me, like, they're like the, the beginning, like the the part that really pissed me off and why I checked out the match is like, I was so into this third match and I had had taught myself and this is probably my fault or this is my fault for, talk myself into a Cody match not having bullshit in it but like <laughs> they had taught like they had that first match like for a f- sub five minute match was just excellent they told an excellent story of this guy is just too much for Cody and Cody is like even like not you know his uh, territory ass is throwing elbows and forearms to try to try to match match with this dude and like he gets his leg taken from him are, are, are beaten down and then a busted wheel and then he like works on the leg and then like Cody gets desperate and goes to the top rope and then he hits one of V trigger and he falls off the top rope into the table by the ringside and then he comes in the ring eats a black mass and he's out for he could count to a hundred and he was out and he puts a foot on his chest and pins him in the second match um, he hits with the kick and he he gets slide he falls out the ring so he survives because he ended up rolling out the ring um, from getting kicked so hard. And then um, by the end, there's there's run-ins with there's shit on the with Arn and with um, Brandy, but he ends up hitting with the miss and rolling him up. 
So this match happens and like they're starting and they're wrestling their asses off. And I'm just like, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted the first match to be, but I ended up getting a short version of it. And I thought this is what the second match was going to be. I'm getting what I thought the second match was going to be. And then the run, and then they ended up outside uh, because a table got set up by Malachi and they ended up doing a crossroads. And like the Which crossroads. Which is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. You know what? Like, look, for me, like, I can understand, I can suspend my disbelief for the wrestling logic that even though it looks or even though Cody is absolutely cushioning Malachi's fall on that bump, like the 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 move is meant to be that it's Malachi taking it, but it didn't look good and like mm-hmm. no part of Malachi even took it. So I was like, I, just, it, I get it, but it looked bad, whatever. And then he gets up playing. I was like, why do you need a blade? Why do you need a blade? And then. Um, Cody charges at him and he ducks in and he hits the post. I'm like, he fuck double juice. God damn it. Him and hit him and want to be his dad. And they're in Florida. So of course it's a fucking, you know, outside the ring pl- brawl and double juice. Of course it's fucking Florida. It's Florida championship wrestling next. And then they all of a sudden the camera cuts away and you just like people running out and it's like, of course this gives time for Cody to blade. Next thing I, next camera shot you get crimson or forehead red. I'm like, God damn it. So like then, what's Cody Rose's blood percentage in, in, in his matches in AEW? I would love it's a lot for someone, for someone to discover this. Um, yeah, it, it's, he does. It, it seems like if bad. it was like a batting average or something, in right? Singles matches. You mean? Yeah. Or just, it, it, shit. In any matches. I mean, it's um, got, it's gotta be like something like somewhere between like 30% and 40%. It seems like, like that's the stat I want to see. Like, like they talked about this is going to be a company built on stats. What the fuck is Cody Rose's blood percentage? Wow. Um, he's even had one where like he didn't mean to. Like that Jericho match, he didn't mean to blade. Like his head just hit the ramp. Um, Karma. <laughs> um. Oh, you want to so, bleed, huh? Uh, and I'm not even gonna count like the one where like uh the splash, the first uh Malachi Black where he bleeds a little bit because he gets cut, he gets uh on the ridge of his nose. Like, I'm not even gonna count. I'm talking about like actually like you know where. He pulled out the yeah, he pulled out the ble- yeah, he pulled out something to cut himself. It's because for it. But um then Andrade comes out, then Pot comes out. Uh the um the Rhodes family, like Lee Johnson and, and, and Brock that Malachi is being, they come out and um all of a sudden, Malachi ends up back in the ring, and he ends up blowing the mist on Arn because Arn's ass in the ring for no fucking reason. And it, I, you know, and then like the crowd, you know, Arn's in the ring, and he points the gun, and the crowd trying to get the Glock. Yeah. And I was just like, by that point, I was like, I was so disgusted. I just, I just turned. I basically was like, when the autopilot, like, like one of them, one of them games were like, you know. The bronze shooters have missed every wide open three, and he's like, "I'm not, pa- I'm not passing the ball over to Jay Crowder or fucking getting the rest of this game. I'm done." Like I was just in that mode, like I'm just, I'm through, I'm over it. And then like I'm watching him, it's like they got back in the ring and they, they were doing stuff. I was like, "That looks good." Um, and then you know, then I've talked about the story of like overcome, like overcoming all this stuff. Oh, how he's going to overcome uh, Cody? You know, this person's like a, just a different level to him at this point. How he's going to reach it? Um, I was racing with that black mask that laid him out the first two matches, and he gets caught <laughs> on the ropes. He gets caught on the ropes, and then like, no, so it's a little struggle for to get him off the ropes to go pin him. But Cody gets right up, fight him right back, and he ends up hitting a uh, like I think hits his finisher twice, and then pins him. It's like, 
And then I, then I heard later that like they were rushed for time, and it's like I'm sorry, bro. Like you mean to tell me y'all y'all built towards this for like basically four, three or four months, and and like y'all didn't have this timed out? Nah, man. Like I'm sorry. Like y'all had a really y'all had a great match going. Y'all decided to put this bullshit in there. I tuned out. Like maybe it got good again, whatever else. But like I I just I was so over it. So like I can't I can't give it a rating or whatever else. But like I'm not. It was just still a good match, but it's, just, I'm, it's not something I'm going to ever go, want to go back to watch. I'm just done with it. It feels hollow for me, like, right? Like, it was, it, like like I said, everyone in the building was into the match. I was into the match. I don't even have a problem, with, like, I don't even have a problem with the way, I don't even have a problem with Cody winning the match. Um, Like, after you do a third match, it's kind of, you're basically telegraphing that Cody's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, It's just, like, you told y'all, or Cody fashioned himself this fucking storyteller. What story did you tell? You Correct. undid everything. And, and you, what, you did everything you worked to. towards for four, four, three, four fucking months in the last I, match. I was gonna say like they. This was supposed to be something about hey, you were either overconfident or you were you had gone soft or something happened. Yeah, that, too that, civilized, that led to that first. Too civilized. You know, you, you, the fighter, right. the commercial guy has taken place of the fighter. Yeah, I'm like, well, where was that fucking journey? Like, like where? How did you get better? Like in, in your preparation for Malachi Black, like I'm sorry, a couple jobbers slapping you in in the room in like, um, you know, in your brother's gym, like it's not enough. Like it feels like, it, ironically, they were trying to show us right, but like it didn't tell me anything. Like, like it was just like a segment that was there. Like there was no like sense of like, hey. Like, how did Alistair or Malachi Black suddenly get like weaker than he was the last couple matches? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no the Russian is cut moment where Cody has his chance or whatever. Like, it wasn't, it, it was like they wanted to tell you the story, but like the ingredients that they're using, like, we ain't quite got all the stuff that needs to actually go into gumbo. So we're just going to throw even more stuff in there. And it, it might not be the, the real gumbo, but it's, it's interesting, it's unique. But like, it wasn't enough for me when you examine it with like a fine tooth comb. Uh, and maybe I'm not giving Cody the, uh, the rope that I would give someone else in this position, but we already talked about what a lot of Cody matches descend into but, like, I, where it's just like fucking it's, it's absolute chaos. And like all these, these moments, I can understand if I look, I don't have a problems with the run-ins and all the nonsense. If it actually like helped, tell the story of what they were going for over the past three, four months. It did not. It actually flew in the face of what they were trying to do. Like, Cody did not overcome. Uh, Cody did not, ch- Cody did not like, demonstrate himself to have changed to overcome or uh, what was what was upon him, the task at hand. He just no-sold, like, he just no-sold the fuck, or he more or less looked look seemingly no-sold the shit that laid to put, put his ass down for the count, like, twice. Because they were because they were up against they were up against it for time, so they had to they had to make it they had to do that, which is like all right, like I don't know what I don't know what needs to be maybe hey how about you don't beat up Jungle Boy this week, give him two more fucking minutes to be able to figure out whatever story you're trying to tell. But like, there's been a lot of uh, this in Cody's matches where like he will get hit with something that you that you should quote unquote sell or it should be like the 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 turn point for a match. Um, into the the, op, the opposition's favor to get momentum in the match, and like he'll just he'll just no sell on a dime, and then like win within ninety seconds. 
Like he did it with Kingston in the Kingston first match. He fucking dropped him on glass and then he's and then his hand is raised less than like less than two minutes later. What? Um Pentagon early in the year when he broke it when he did the fucking arm break spot and he won like within ninety seconds after that. And then yeah. this. And it's like who who and taught like he's you getting... this and who told and who to- uh, convinced you that this was like interesting or fun or like makes your matches better? Because it doesn't. He wants to be John Cena. Like I think that's just what it comes down to. He wants this feeling of like things aren't quite right. Like the alignments aren't all like aren't right. He wants to do the movies. He wants to do the charity stuff. And like, oh no, man! Cool. Like, Tell better stories. Like, I don't care if you, I don't, like you want to do that shit. Look, man. If you want, if you want to put, like, he's um, literally if putting you himself put in a- opposition of like. Like you know the alignment, like it's like he's he's, I don't know, man. It, it's exhausting, bro. Like I've like, been saying, that like for I don't want, exhausting. Like I like I'm sorry. Like the I thought AEW was like the clearest promotion where it would be like, all right, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. Like this good guy, who's or excuse me, this wannabe good guy who I don't even say wannabe. I don't even want to say wannabe. He is a good guy. People are just sick of him. And it's, then it's like plenty, they're pushing him and not nice acknowledging that. You know, that. in life, I'm just sorry. There are a number of not nice people that you've met in life that are harmless or whatever else that you just like. Hey, want no parts to do with them, or, or want nothing to do with them, or they annoy me. And like Cody right now is in that mode where it's like he does and says the right things. I just don't care for him at this moment. And like I think that's perfectly fine. I don't mean any ill will towards him. I didn't think, like I said, like this match disgusted me. But like I would not say it was a bad match at all. I would say it was a good match, but it disgusts me like they decided to do that shit in the middle of the match. It was just like, you have, what, when are you ever going to get to the match where we actually find out who the better person is? Like We still the, haven't found No, it. no. We found out who the better man was in the first fucking match. We keep getting further and further away from actual rule of slice of finishes now. The second match was to beat him on a roll. He missed him and then beat him on a roll. Now, we have someone no-selling some shit after people ran in a million places and match him and thrown out because the fucking but, manager's in the ring. Like, I'm just I'm just over it, man. But we know him. that those squash matches are like a gimmick and a trope. Right. Right. That, that he does so we still don't even have like That's a definitive true. like hey they went 17 minutes and this person got his hand raised right. you know with a clean win we don't have that right and it's annoying because it's like I never want to see them wrestle each other again bro like people ask me if I want to see Cody Rose versus Kenny no like <laughs> um, and then like I don't know how much of this stuff is a, is actually a legitimate thing where you talk about I'll never turn heel, I'll retire for, before I turn heel. It's like, hey, bro, that's case. And like, God bless, like, bro. Take it to the back. Yeah, it's like, bro, like we've like there was a company that had a baby face that was just getting shoved down people's throats that they didn't acknowledge like the relationship like with the audience and like flip that character accordingly, like. The last fifteen years did in WWE. You, did you watch uh, Rose to the Top this season? I did finale. not. A six epi- a six episode uh, season, dude. Like it covers the first and second Malachi Black match, and he's talking about how mm-hmm. like he's getting booed and the crowd is not with him. And then like you hear Brandy talk about how like the crowd is fickle. And I was like, oh god, like they have WC like not Cody, but like she has WCW or WWE brain of like the fans are the fans don't know what. It's like doing. how did you see this coming? It's like. 
No, it's not even that. It's like Cody understands it. Cody's talking about like how like he's struggling with else, and like Brandy's talking about how um, she wants to come back. And when she wants to come back, she wants to come back as a heel. And heels don't work their way from the bottom; they just go straight to the top because everyone thinks I'm a, I'm a, I'm evil, so I may as well go to the top. And then Cody's like, "Look, man, you know I think people actually genuinely like you, and if you start from the bottom in an earnest way, you'll, you know, you'll work your way up." And I'm thinking to myself like, "They're both right and both wrong." Like one, like if they weren't them, that would be the advice. Like one, um, the real thing for Brandy is, and as much as it, uh, much as it's, uh, is people really don't want to see her in the ring as a worker. That's the real thing. And if they want yes. to see her, um, on TV, she's best suited to be a heel, but no one wants to see her actually wrestle. Um, but then like he was talking about his character in Malachi and um and talking about himself and he was like he was aware of like what his issues are. Like he's he you know, the crowd isn't into him, but like Brandy was describing it as like these fans are fickle and and Cody was like, Nah, like they, they there's something that I'm missing, I'm trying to figure it out and like and you see this you see this after the match is happening, just like he never figured it out. And, it, and in fact, it's, it's worse than like it was two months, two three months ago. Um, so yeah. Um, and then and then uh, oh yeah. So then they also covered uh, Tony Khan like uh, they did. The, like they, they went to the back and um, he's talking about how like you know maybe it is time that I do hang it up for a while or whatever else. And he's like, how long? Because you know. Um, and I was like, don't say nothing, fool. Just let him walk. <laughs> Like the, look, look what he's put on your TV now. Since since he since he did this, it's like uh, he did the, he took the boot off whatever else. He's like, maybe what if I was done for a while? I was like, he, he all right, back. yeah. And Tony Khan's like, you got how it. How long? Yeah, he should have just said, all right. Well, you know, um, just hit me up when you're ready. And then like by the time they got done with the second match, uh, he was uh, the New York match, New York show. He was like, yeah, you know, um. He's basically like you know, uh, you know, a lot of new faces that came in, and um, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be waiting to see those faces. I was like, oh, God damn, it. bro! It's like, like <sighs> their whole thing is fun. like how they're gonna have to book him. It was like, remember how they used to book Roman, where it was like, yo, who can we put him in with that the crowd? There's no way in fuck that they would cheer him against, and all those people like are like way lesser. Right, and none of that stuff actually people. is like anything you want that would, that should make a AEW card. Right, so like he has serious issues. So we got a bunch of comments um, in here. So um, I will start with this one. Uh, a lot of people saying uh, the match. This wasn't anything complex. It was just a bunch of shit to pop the crowd. Uh, yeah, this one Sam was smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors, absolutely. And that's why I was disgusted with it. I was like, yo, y'all told us like. In the general, in the overarching arc of this with Cody, the whole idea was that Cody just got hit with something that he has never faced before, and how will he match that? And like, what is he going to do to change himself to match that? And the idea was he's going to get, he's going to go back to like the the you know the basics, the fundamentals, the back back to square one, ground one, or whatever else, or whatever you call it, the ground floor, and like build himself back up, similar to like if you go think of Rocky Three, right, like. He's basically mm-hmm. like going to the black gym and then working on the, on flexibility and agility that he didn't have before to try to face it. But just like the problem with Rocky Three is that like 
the when you get to the second Clever Lang match, he ends up winning in the end by just getting his brains beaten in, which is what got him put on the fucking on the mat the first match instead of actually like putting any of that agility to, uh, to use. Like he didn't show any humble beginnings or any scrappiness. He just no sold the motherfuckers move and, and, and beat them the seconds later. Like that's the same problem. It's just, it's a Rocky Three problem. Yeah. Um, Dellen says it's a John Cena story. No real development of the character. Um, Sam also said, I love complex characters. They have nuance, but you guys are right that this idea for himself isn't working. Uh, Dylan also says Cody has people who would otherwise hate the Cena character to love the Cena character. Only difference is he's at his own island and not at the top. Um, Can you imagine this was at the top of AEW? <laughs> Like it would be, it would be bad. Like, and <laughs> why are your main events trash? Like, what, what are not, like, why are your main events like such a leaves you in a, in a fog of confusion? Yeah, are you confused? Unsatisfied. Like that's a like that's the main thing. Like Cody, uh, outside of the Jericho stuff in November two thousand um, nineteen, like he's been not in main events. And, like, this is, like, his first main event in a while. And, like, uh, uh. like, it's almost like I want to make a definitive list of people Cody is allowed to beat in AEW and then the list of people he's not allowed to beat. I didn't I didn't have a problem with, with Cody beating him. It's just the... the, the I think a lot of people did. Take, yeah, I, yeah, that's true. A lot more people are upset about it than I am. Um... And like I don't necessarily have a I don't necessarily disagree. It just for me it's like if you t- if you told a correct story for it, it may it, that where it made sense for Cody to win, then I'd be with it. But they didn't do they even they even bothered to do that. And I was like, well, if Cody had won, if Cody had lost, he'd be in the same place he was on the card or the same kind of momentum and status in AEW. And if Malachi had won. He could be a he could be a first title challenger for for um for Hangman or or you know face Darby or CM Punk or Daniel somewhere else and now it's like all right lost to Cody and Mick Carter upper Mick Carter now what yeah um I don't know I, I'm I'm a mixed feelings I, about I, it because I, I was in I the building so I did not watch a TV copy of it so uh i i would probably have to watch that to get a feel of what everyone else is seeing from that perspective but like i was saying the building like it Mm -hmm. was it was loud and it was like intense yeah like the crowd like that's something i didn't recognize like the crowd was into the ending stretch of that close stretch in that match in a way that was like i i couldn't fathom but they were hot for it so good for them yeah so um yeah but I don't know, man. There's a lot there as, as every, every time it comes to Cody, like there's just so much more you can do it and more questions than answers, more questions. And like, it's just, maybe I'm getting worked here or whatever. This is exactly how they want us to react to it and shit. But like, I don't know. I don't feel like Cody's that much of a genius to mm-hmm. want to uh, do that. Well, like, like I've seen a baby face getting booed before and and not leaning into it. Like it just makes everything fucking awkward. Yeah. And um like if this does eventually lead to a hill turn, like speed it the fuck up then. Yeah. Please. And, and and Sam brings up Brandy saying that the fans were fickle worries me. It ain't happening to anyone else. Like That's um, that's not my point. It's like you don't see this problem with like any other EVPs. 
You don't see this in probably any other like character in AEW where um and and to be quite frankly, like the last time they had this issue was probably with Brit and what did they do with her? They turned her heel. And now she's hotter than she's ever been by times three. So like Cody got way more booze than anybody else. Like it was like world champion level heel booze, like <laughs> like like someone that you just absolutely fucking hate and disgusted by. Like that's the booze that Cody was getting. So I don't know, man. They gotta figure it out. But yeah. I guess um there's only one thing left to do, James. So uh hit the music. Yeah, so this week in stardom, um, speed round edition. They started tag league on Sunday. On Saturday, uh, the show before, they had um, a in the Sony event. They had a tag match with Hazuki and Kaguma versus. Hold on, Koguma <laughs> versus uh, Hazuki and Kaguma versus Kamatani and uh, Momo, and it was a. It wasn't a. It was a basically a all-star tag match that he did. And uh, most of it was focused on a Twitter exchange of, not a Twitter exchange, but a uh, Momo had tweeted out something along the lines of um, people are interested uh, to see what, like what's, what's going to happen once me and Azuki get in the ring for the first time in forever. Um, and you'll get to see it in the ring. And um, basically the match uh, ends up with those two in the ring and Momo beats the shit out of Azuki. And Azuki's still working from underneath. Uh, ultimately ends up going to a, uh, uh, go, they end up going back and forth to the wire with her fighting back and up going to a time limit draw, 15 minute time limit draw. Um, the main event is Queen's, uh, Queen's Quest, but uh, Cosmic Angels versus Donna Del Mondo, Shuri, Nasapoy, Micah, and Hameka versus um, Tam, um, Mina, Unagi, and Waka. Waka! <laughs> so, uh, the match basically is starts out with Cosmic Angels doing their triple team stuff from their trios run with Waka not in the ring because she doesn't know the steps. Uh, when they went to the ring, when they did the dance to the ring, Waka is like halfway knows the dance moves, so she's like in and out. Like she might know one, two moves for like a couple uh, beats, but didn't forget the rest of it. Uh, so they tag. So she's so anxious to tag in, and then they tag her in, and then they proceed to beat the shit out of her. All like all four of them tag of Donald Mano tagged in and out when they got a piece of her ass. Um and uh you end up getting an exchange with 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 uh Tam and Shuri that was excellent. Um and then uh they end up going to a double down and then they end up going Waka versus Nasapoy. Nasapoy is a finisher off after a few after a bunch of saves um from moves getting um um, hit landed on her, and then people run in to save, and then eventually she got finished when that with um Nats point winning, um and that was um Saturday Sunday was the first night of or first day of tag league. Gotta say, I did not like tag league as much as everybody else. Apparently, the first day, oh. I saw I saw two matches get uh three and three quarter uh ratings on cage match and I thought they were like just like threes, three and a quarters. Um 
it felt very much like it was second half of back to back and them leg and them knees and legs were, were not firing off and they were not crisp like they usually are. It felt like it was tired, all of them. Um so you end up having Hazuki and um Kaguma versus I believe it was the Hannon sisters. Uh, I have to pull it up if I can find it. Uh, oh, wrong thing. Bear with me, y'all. I'm sorry. Um, get your merge. Get your merge. Get your merge. Get your merge. <laughs> I'm going to use your line. Right? No, um, no, we might have to uh, start doing this on YouTube, too. Put your super chats in. You know? <laughs> Put your, Put your super boys. chats in. All right. So, um, yeah. So, the undercard, as I mentioned, uh, uh, was yeah, it was Suzuki versus Suzuki and Kagum versus the Hannon sisters, uh, Hannon and Rena. Um, they just pretty much put <laughs> pretty much put the teenagers to sleep, uh, and then Suzuki ended up winning with a uh, oh, she ends up hitting um, Rena with uh, the rings of Saturns, and then hits a uh, and then slaps on the. Uh, choke from the choke with it like the crossface rings of Saturn teams are going to win uh next match after that was <sighs> one of Rich's favorites Fuki get death with Saki versus uh Aphrodite Una- Utami and uh Talisaya Kamatani um the match finishes up with Kamatani versus death and Kamatani Hits or is hitting her big moves, and Saki's making saves, and they eventually finish Saki off on the floor. So, uh, Kamatani then hits Star Crusher, her finisher, the uh, Falcon, uh, sorry, the uh, Fisherman Falcon Zero, and gets the pin. And one, two, and then, and then Def reverses that shit and and sits on her, and Saki couldn't get out, and she got the pin, so she out here smoking Golden Phoenix pack. It, it, it was uh it was a fun it was a fun little goofy match like they kept uh they kept using the 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 newspapers and the magazines hitting uh Utami and Insai on the head with them but like it wasn't a match where they were trying to have a great match uh so the next match after that I don't uh, know where my cigar went oh god okay. <laughs> so leave it out this week so so main event you end up getting. Uh, t- uh, Starlight Kid and Roaka versus uh, Momo Oz, Momo and Nozomi. And it is great whenever Star, or it is very good whenever Starlight Kid's in the ring, um, but it is not when Roaka's in the ring, obviously. Um, and the next pay per view is going to be Starlight Kid versus Momo. They have already done this press conference before this show, and um, Starlight Kid wanted to put her belt on the line to challenge Momo. Momo, you know, Momo has been chasing after the red belt since. Since let's say probably like 2019, or sorry, 2020, and um, she has no interest. She's former white belt champ. She has no interest in challenge for her white belt. So she definitely has no interest in challenging for um, the the high speed belt. And also, she hasn't done high speed stuff since she was like a super a real teen. Like she was before she fucked up her knee in 2017. She was like 17 at the time. Um, so she's not interested, but. Starlight Kid keeps pushing buttons on her. To, and um, by the end of this match, after it goes to a draw and, and everything, um, she says, uh, Starlight Kid says on the lines of, hey, like, 
if you don't if you do not challenge me for my for my high speed belt, you are running away from me. Like what what happened to you? Like, are you even the leader of Queen's Quest anymore? And then like that was that was it. Uh Momo grabbed her by the hair and put her ass against the uh, ropes and said, you know what? I'll take your little fucking belt and when I beat you, I'll hand it back to you. <laughs> uh so um before the match, um, Azumi asked her, Are you gonna challenge for it? Like if you challenge for it, it's fine. I know, you know, I've been at, you know, I've been one time champion. I want it back. But like, if you, you know, you're facing the champion. If you want to challenge for it, go ahead. I have no problems with it. So, uh, then after that, Momo was like, I got buzz from Azumi. You've pissed me off. <laughs> Beat your ass. Uh, so, uh, that'll be at the, uh, Kawasaki Super Wars. Um, and then the main event was Tam and Mina versus Shuri and Micah. And this match was a whole lot of good, but no great. Um, kind of surprising. Um, they wrestled like they were going towards a 20-minute time limit draw. And then, like, when it ended in, like, 13 minutes and change, I was like, wait, that's it? Um, match ends when Micah hits Tam with the Michinoku driver. This is the first time Tam's been pinned in a tag match in maybe this year. Um, so she is pinned. Um, and then the weird thing is like, Micah's not, because Micah has it, the next defense for the next pay-per-view for the red belt. She beat Utami in the Grand Prix. Um, she doesn't say like, I just pinned the white belt champion. So I want a title shot. It was just like, it is what it is. It's cool. And I was like, ha, um, Okay. So Unagi gets, Unagi gets on the mic and she says, she asked Tam, like, why didn't you pick me to be in tag league? And, um, and then Tam says, well, I believe in, I believe in Mina. So like, that's why we did it. And, um, then Tam says like, look, you, you're taking this too lighthearted. Like this title shot you're getting, like you're, you're facing somebody that's willing to die, that's been willing to die for this white belt before. Like that's what you're dealing with. And then Unagi's like, I'm going to make the belt. I'm going to make the belt about love or whatever else. And then I was like, all right, well, you're going to love when she drops Ooh, you in your fuck. If you're looking for a real right. love. Don't, don't come around here. here. Not for that red, not for that white belt. Cause you finna love when she drops you in your fucking head. <laughs> come, uh, come a couple weeks from now. So, um, that's more or less the end of it. And, um, then, you know, uh, Shuri and, and, uh, Micah did the sign off and that was it. So like, you know, um, they're the leaders in the in the clubhouse right now. Them and um, Hazuki and uh, Kaguma. So that's that's pretty much it for this past weekend, or not this past weekend, but the weekend before. There were no shows this past weekend. So um, next weekend there'll be two shows, and then the pay per view is Wednesday on the third. So uh, there's a na- it's a national holiday on the third of November in Japan. So they're running it then. Gotcha. So we've actually, I waited till this segment. I forgot. Uh, we did have the PWI women's 150 come out. Uh, we'll go yeah. through the top 10 briefly. We did have uh, three people from, from stardom um, yep. in the top 10, uh, two in the main roster of WWE, two in NXT, two from AEW, one from Impact. So number 10, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I don't think she was particularly impressive after she won the belt. Uh, her lead up into winning it uh, was getting her over. Um, yeah, but the, after that, the the tag team stuff with with, with Dakota, the um, her beating Ra- or um, Rhea in uh, War Games, 
Women's War Games, the uh, the first match they had, the Hoss Battle, that went on basically like side by side with Hangman and Wardlow. Um, and then their awesome match that I get four and a half stars at on New Year's Evil. Um, that's that's her case. Um, she won the title. It was a it was a pretty good match. Not a great match, but a pretty good match. Um, and same for her defense against uh, Dakota. Pretty good. But she's on a dead brand. Yeah, and... she's, on, she's on a dead brand, and um, they're not they're not protecting her with the opponents that she used to have, or she was that she they were building her with when they had Rhea and Io and Dakota and Ember. So um, she beats everyone. She rarely takes falls. So I think that's kind of she's well protected and all that kind of stuff. Just you know, um, yeah, she her her stock is going down, and it's no fault of her own because of. What's happened to the brand she's on, the promotion she's on, or if you will. So number nine, Tam Nakano. Yeah, um, in stardom this year, she she made it the biggest show the, uh, in the company's history. Um, has that worst second best match in the company uh, to to do it. Um, super successful. Uh, or the leader of a super successful uh, faction of stars moving merchandise, so, uh, well protected, one of the top five biggest stars in the company, um, well, one of the f- three biggest stars in the company. Um, ha- uh, for in ring performer, from an in ring performance perspective, she's top three in the company this year. Stardom's grown super, um, or la- very large. Five years ago, they don't get three people in the top five or top ten of this. Um, she, part of that growth involves her. Yeah. Uh, I echo pretty much everything you said. Um, she's been involved in some really great feuds over the last like year and, um, her getting that white belt, like meant a lot to a lot of people that followed this stuff, like even harder than I do per se. And, um, you know, you can't understate being a faction leader and also like that faction thriving under you. Um, Number eight, Io Shirai. So uh, after Io's lost the belt, she's kind of fallen into the abyss, even though she's a tag team champion, those belts are literally mud Um, (laughs) mean nothing. Um, But yeah, Io for a long time was carrying like, like she was the the ace in um, NXT and um, ever since she ain't been the champion, she's been real different down there. Yeah. Um, she, you know, after she lost that belt, she took like a month or two off. I can't remember how long it was, but. Um, didn't give, get called up. Yeah. Given um, given the, the grading period for this or the evaluation period for this, like uh, the first, you know, a little, probably like 60% of it was when she was the champion. So like, that's what, that is what has her up here this high. Like that work alone is her as a champion, her defenses. Um, and then, you know, the rest of it is more or less like don't even think about that part. Just just think about like the first seven months of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Number six, Sasha Banks, uh, or excuse me, number seven uh, was Shuri of Stardom. Uh, for my money, this is the best women's wrestler in the world. Um, we talked about that on this show um, before. She's yeah. been excellent. Just a a, a warrior. Uh, if I yeah. if I had to describe her in one word, any style, main events, short matches, uh, wrestling, younger wrestlers, like you always 
are going to get high, high quality out yeah. of Shuri. And she's like, you know, she has multiple belts on right now, too. Yeah. Um, SWA champion. Uh, so she is like, the, in theory, like a mid-tier champ, champion for that belt, especially because um, no guidance are in because of the, because of COVID. But um, after after Julia lost the white belt to Tam, they the very next month they made them the tag champions, and that has been the only thing that has made Julia relevant this year. After since getting shaved bald, um, to be honest with you, um, I you know they said that she was going to win uh, the Grand Prix, and like creatively, that sounds like a terrible that would have been a terrible idea. This is a way better thing. Um, Shuri chasing after the red belt in dedication of her mother who passed away um, last year. Um, that's a much more entertaining story than whatever they were going to make up for to in fact, or just invent for Utami versus Julia. So, um, but as far as Shuri's year, like I mentioned, the tag stuff, um, the singles matches, uh, the, the, the match that went to fuck off, um, on June 12th, uh, they got started with more notor more, more Western, um, eyes than ever before. Uh, the Grand Prix, um, winning that tournament this year, the way that presented with, you know, it being buoyed by three turn, three pay-per-views and like for her to go have great matches, four great matches on those three pay-per-views to win the thing like that, that, you know, she's the most important Grand Prix winner we've ever had because of the eyes on it. Um, and that definitely boosted her year. Like she's just, and then from in ring quality, I mean, set for Shingo and Omega, I don't in Ishii or whatever else. Someone in G one, like unless you're in the G one or you're Kenny Omega, you just you'd have had a better year in ring than her. You just haven't. Yeah, um, number six, Sasha Banks. I think this one is uh, this is strictly off the like WrestleMania main event. Literally, she has nothing else after that. Even I mean, before that, she has matches against Carmella that so she held together. When was the start of the evaluation period? Uh, like, does it, it include was, Hell in a Cell? I think it does. If it includes Hell in a Cell, you have the Hell in a Cell combination of the Becky of the uh, thing with Bailey. Um, you know, we think from a story. I think from a storytelling perspective, that match was stupid. Even though I think the action was very good because they beat the crap out of each other, but there's one chair when there's 40 other chairs why are you fighting over this one particular chair who gives a fuck but whatever right. match still match still very very fucking good um they, they for me they didn't have bianca. really any, anything interesting for her after yeah. the bianca few was horrible um yeah. the match and then the, the match, match was went great. the fuck off the match went the fuck off and ultimately what we say with wwe stuff all the time if they save it in the ring and no one will remember like very few people remember how bad a few stunk and that's and that seems to be the case when you look at a lot of Sasha Banks stuff. Like no one remembers how bad or how nothing those those like, interactions were on the mic between uh, Charlotte and uh, <laughs> Sasha uh, in 2016. You want know to know because they're about to do it again right now. <laughs> so um, she made a bit of WrestleMania. She had she had for a lot of people the best match in WWE this year. Uh, for me, is a top five ish type of thing in WWE this year if you include NXT. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's the biggest wrestling promotion in the world, and she main evented, you know, one of the two biggest shows. Yeah, that's, that's uh, enough. Number five, Thunder Rosa. Um, so that was a joy to see uh, for me. Huge Thunder Rosa fan. So like I've talked about, what I feel like her impact is on women's wrestling beyond AEW. Even yeah. like 
she comes in the AEW indies, and basically um, NWA um, until recently in AEW. Like she is, um, she would be the indie pick uh, yeah. in theory. Like she, um, like talking about owning your own promotion, like being a role model for women in wrestling and um, being a fucking great wrestler yourself and like basically um, getting the ball rolling on the improvement of the AEW women's division and eventually signing with AEW. Uh, her match with Britt Baker, yep. who is yep. n- number four on the list. Um, Thunder's been awesome and i think she's got potential to even go higher the next time this list comes out agreed agreed um so you said that was five yep that was five number so four is Britt baker yeah. uh perhaps the most over uh women's wrestler in the world uh one of the most over wrestlers as a champion you'll see electric on the mic matches are better are coming along um uh, but she's a fucking star like that's Sometimes star power just makes you forget about, you know, if someone doesn't do a wrist lock the right way or um, botches a move or something like that. She's been the champion since what? February? No, May. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. She lost. So she's been champion since May. Um, She has been on the mic, super hot at different points, hottest fish grease at different points uh, throughout the evaluation period. she carries herself like a star. She dresses like a star. She presents herself like a star. They present her like a star. Um, and that's most of the battle. Like she got most. Of, she got most of the stuff done outside the ring. And pro wrestling is more than just being in the ring. As much as I don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. Um, so from that perspective, she did that. And then, like you know, once you get into the ring, she has one of the best matches of the year. So like if you see if you if you want to say like she doesn't like she can't hold it up she can't hold up to a Shuri but she can't like she has one of the best matches of the year, so um you know and she has that in then the the bloody mat the second time she got her face covered in blood like that's another um iconic uh picture for AEW history so like she had herself a year. Um, Deanna Perrazzo is number three. Um, so she has two different belts, um, during the evaluation period. She was the impact champion a long time before she actually lost the belt this weekend. Um, she like, I don't know, man. Lost it at MILF money. MILF money long. Yeah. Deanna Perrazzo, a lot of people go hard for her. I think she is kind of like Joe Lewis beating bums in a month, but we, I, this isn't the time for that. Um, she is somebody that I think that, um, at, at, well, let's just start from here. As somebody that originally was a zero as a promo, to see where she's became um, over the last you know year or two, it's very impressive. Um, on the mic and building programs, um, very very solid technical wrestler as she's always been, um, and she has very good matches. Um, and she has good defenses. So, and that's really all you can ask for out of that division. Um, a division I think is overblown, like the kind of talk they get, but like they have a, they have a, they had a true world women's champion. Yep. And she had two belts. So, yep. um, number two, Utami. Um, okay. So I guess we might as well do it how we did Kenny and Roman. So, uh, we have Utami here, uh, and then Bianca was number one. Uh, Utami's number two. 
I think the politics of the magazine would not allow Tommy to be number one on something like this, especially you're trying, you're in a business. It's a Western, look, so magazine, American magazine. Yep. <laughs> like, unless we're talking about, hell, I don't even know. I well, they even have it back then, but like, I don't think there's ever been a, a Japanese woman be that be the number one rated woman on the PWI list ever. And I, you know, and it is what it is, right? Like, if if all things are being equal, one, two, and three would be would be, you know, Tommy, T- Tam, and Shuri in whatever order. So it is what it is. It's fine. Like she want Bianca won a main event of WrestleMania. She is one of the. She might be the very. She might be the fucking dinosaur. We talking about Mary. We talking about uh, Dwight Howard really show how she like the like the last dinosaur as the comet drops. She might be the last. Honest to goodness, top of the top of the card baby face that people actually like and enjoy and endear. She might be the last one Vince McMahon ever has in his life. So, you know, um, this thing had with uh, Becky Lynch happened and it caught her jet some and it stunk and a lot of people um, are holding on to her because they realized that they got she got handed a bad hand. Um, she also got demoted to Raw, but um, as a as a young prospect that came in, she is one of the best that uh, the NXT uh, PC or the PC or whatever else ever, ever came up with. Like, I mean, outside of the other side of the quote unquote horsewoman in Charlotte, like was the last one that was this damn good. Yeah. I, I do think her case for number one is pretty shallow. Um, you know, I agree. It, cause, you know, the, the Bailey stuff sucked, but whatever. Bailey stuff like, like stung. I think the matches were, Better than better than better than the build. Yeah, better than the build. Um, yeah. I think like they didn't have a clue what to do with her. Like f- until she wore, won the Royal Rumble, um, until yeah. she had the great match with Sasha at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like you're left with like a landfill of like just nothing. Like the the build for her and uh, she's losing tag team matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she did a lot of losing for someone that ended up number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this strictly comes down to the WrestleMania main event. Yeah. I feel like I agree. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's exactly what it is. But it's you know it's still American. It's still a re- American wrestling kayfabe magazine, and it's still WrestleMania. Um, like you know. We, we can't compare resumes as far as we can't compare resumes between Utami and, and Bianca. Like, what's the point? We are, we know, we know, we know, but yeah. it is what it is. Like, you know, it was comparing to like anybody in top five in stardom, but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. If, it, it, if I was making this list, Utami would have probably been number one, but um, yeah, those were uh, the folks on the list. Um, oh, also, Keith Lee came out and did an interview uh, before we wrap this up. Hands on. Uh, Yep, uh, it said Mr. Man was hands on with the with the Bearcat right stuff. I believe he was speaking to the House Organ and Ryan Satin, and uh, this was the perfect opportunity for Keith Lee to give us any extra additional information that he wanted us to know about this. Uh, any influences that may have have rubbed off on this? Why we're suddenly calling him Bearcat or anything like that, um, James? I'm going to um, pull up what Keith Lee had to say. Okay. And I, I thought it was, you know, pretty, pretty telling about what it was and what it wasn't, you know. Mm. Um, so he was like, you know, he was asked how much of his true self is in his character. Lee said it depends on which character you're talking about. 
previously, if you're referring to anything at NXT, which they definitely weren't Keith, um, when, <laughs> when I came up to the main roster, I would say there really wasn't a character. It was just be- me being me, having fun, enjoying myself. That was just me turned up to a certain level that was above average. Bearcat has some relevance to who I am, but in a competitive level, almost football related, just a guy who wants to get business done. Bearcat is a guy who walks out there already, already ready to decimate whoever is in the ring. It's a real interesting switch for sure. And then he went further into the new character, and then he would talk about Vince McMahon's influence on his new gimmick. He would also say, Oh, I say he's quite hands-on, which is something I need because I want to know as opposed to making a guess or estimation or hypothesis. If I know what he wants directly, it makes it that much easier to give him what he's looking for. He runs this. He's the man. If he wants a specific thing out of his talent, then the talent is to give him what he wants. Now, James, what did I not hear in, in any of that? Go ahead. I did not hear that it was a fucking tribute to Bearcat Wright, you fucking simpletons, you morons that have bent yourself all the way over backward until you came out on the other side, making up your own shit to explain Vince McMahon not understanding him, to all of a sudden portray uh, WWE as this pro-black company, like to this this griff that people are buying into um this is not keith lee's request it never came out anywhere before this he had an interview with the perfect opportunity the perfect platform to to bring this up it wasn't anywhere it's not on screen it's nothing more than wwe owning legacy ip at this point with bearcat right and putting them in the uh legacy wing of their goofy hall of fame and passing it on to this wrestler that Vince doesn't understand or get. And he's working like, you know, 1980s big man who has been imported into the territory. Congratulations. We have Big John Stud. You people need to stop this. This is cap. This is bullshit. Um, and I would just rather you be honest with yourselves instead of making shit up. Rich Latta, right once again. So that's the end of the show. Thanks for listening, y'all. Um, hit us up on, hit us up on uh, Twitch. Um, Rich, you give you have the links or information for Twitch or? Uh, yeah, you can just go follow me. I think it's uh, twitch.tv slash Rich Latta, if I'm not mistaken. You can catch the show. Yeah. Mondays on here and um, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, James, you have no thoughts on on, on the on the Keith Lee. I mean, not really. Like he, I I saw a video package of of him like killing like um, clawing to the top. I, I didn't see a clawing to the top thing. I just saw a vignette where he's like just smashing people, and he's clearly a heel now. And I was like, oh, okay, he's a heel. So like, he's playing into an archetype that Vince Man has had before. And they're in AEW now, so like, and he can't, and they can't work anymore. So now they made a new one, even though it's like he can do so much more. But whatever, like, that's a nice, that's a nice uh, spot to be in if he follows through with it. Uh, he being Vince, so we'll see where this goes. Like, 
Like, I don't really have an issue. Obviously, I think Keith Lee makes more sense as a babyface. He's a naturally likable person. But, like, if he can just beat the, hell, beat the ass on people forever or whatever, he might get a higher, a uh, faster tracking to get up the card faster. If they're actually committed to this. So, we'll, we'll see. And what we'll see is, like, I'm I'm skeptical. Because, like, Vince is the net booker. So, it doesn't matter, like, what's working or what may be a new change for now. Like, I'm thinking about six months from now. And six months from now... Will he be on pay-per-view? I don't fucking know. I can't trust man, this booker. It, it sounds like Andre the Giant Battle Royal to me. I, I don't know, man. Could be. Could be. Um, So check us out on... Uh, hit us up on our Red Circle, uh, the donation page. Uh, and listen... Oh, sorry. ProWrestlingTees.com slash suplex and pick up some official suplex network merchandise. And uh, listen to other shows on the network besides Monday Radio. You have Keeping It Strong Style... You have the Ricky and Clive uh, wrestling show. You have Grumman Watch Shit. You have the Grave Consequences podcast. You have 8-Bit Suplex. You have All Things Elite. And you also have Great Match Generator. And also Sam's podcast. Shout out uh, to Sam. Reviewing, I forgot the name of it, but he is reviewing the 50 greatest AEW matches so far. It's like the AEW Match Guide podcast. If I'm not AEW mistaken. Match Guide podcast. Okay. Yeah, so check that out. I don't know the day that it comes out on 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 the schedule. I think it's like but, first week of November or something. I know I'm on the second episode. Okay, so I'll I'll, I'll get this straightened out by the time um we do next week's show. So um, thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace. <laughs>